Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. lovers, beer drinkers, get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters, it's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Oh man, welcome to the Sunday show, everybody. A little bit of a late start. It's not really my fault. Uh, Pete took me out and got us drunk before the show, and <laughs> however it goes today, I'm, I'm blaming it on Pete. We've really had a great day so far. I was kind of thinking that most of the of the great part of the show might have happened already. <laughs> we're going to have to try to recreate everything now that we're here in the studio. It was like the pre-interview. <laughs> we did a whole pre-interview with Pete. We've been hanging out all afternoon. We went to EJ Fair Brewery and we went to Schooners in Antioch and uh we definitely we did we absolutely had to get ourselves warmed up and uh, uh Pete Schlossberg in the studio with us today. Uh the artist formerly known as Pete's Wicked Ales is <laughs> I think what we could we could also call him, and uh, yeah, he, he dragged us all over the neighborhood today. <laughs> that sounds really bad. Yeah, it was, I was cooking. It was I a, had to put a gun to uh, Justin's head to make him go, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and I was dragging us out of there, but uh, we're here. I do apologize for the late start, but we've got a great show lined up for you with the artist formerly known as Pete's Wicked. And uh, we're going to talk all about Pete's Wicked Ales, one of the pioneering guys in craft beer. And I'm excited about it. I've heard a lot of good stories already, and we're going to get those out for you. If you want to ask Pete questions yourself, as always, 888-401-BEER is our number. You can Skype us at the Brewing Network, and you can also join. Uh, you have two chat moderators today. You can join JP in the chat room right now. He's going to be helping you out. And a little bit later on, uh, we decided that there was uh, too many mash paddles in the mash tun last week, so we brought a female in uh, to help you in the chat room. We've got Stephanie going to help out in the chat room with JP. Would that be like a spray ball? (laughs) Yeah, that's like throwing a, I don't know, some sort of a gasket or something into the mash tun. Yeah, thank you. I didn't have that analogy ready. I only had my first analogy ready, and then you challenged me. It sounds like it, but, you know, we still love you anyway sometimes. (laughs) So Stephanie will be helping you out in the chat room, too, and you can ask us uh, all the questions you want there. It's really going to be an exciting show. There is no Dr. Scott with us today, though, unfortunately. And and Pete, by the way, he was real upset that he didn't get to come meet you. He's our normal wacky co-host. So in his place, the great...
great Sean O'Sullivan co-host. Oh, yeah. no, i got to talk to Sean again? <laughs> uh, it's great to be here. It's been a long time. It has. It's yeah. been a little while. We've kept you out of the studio for a little while. Why is that, Justin? Well, we just felt that we, we had uh, had our Sully fill, and then we realized... How wrong we were. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like B.O. or anything like that, no. was it? No, well, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little. No, not at all. But uh, Sully and, and also uh, friends with Pete, we figure what better guy to help us uh, get out all the nitty-gritty on that. So Sully's in here helping us out with that. Um, what other announcements do I have for you? I announced the anniversary show last week. You did, and that was an exciting one. It was exciting. I don't know if you guys all heard that, but uh, it's at the Bistro in Hayward. It's going to be Sunday, June 3rd, and I'm working on a lot of surprises. In fact, uh, me and Sully were talking about a couple of them today. Good stuff. So hang in there over the over the coming weeks. We're going to be telling you something. I, I've got a little bit of a beer competition It's going to be Ooh. happening. I'll give you details about that. Please do. I've got, um, I told you last week that Cold Hot Crash, the band that we all know and love here on the station is going to be headlining the show and I've, I'm working on two other bands and one of them I already know but I'm not ready to tell is you. It it is yeah, it's, yeah. it's you, you got me. <laughs> oh, Cold. Sean, right out of the gate. <laughs> Damn it. And now the surprise is gone. Cold I'm going night. then. I'm going. Playing the anniversary party. <laughs> the opposite way. As fast as I can. <laughs> so, by the way, the chat room is already aflame uh, demanding pictures of the new uh, host. The new chat room host. <laughs> is that right? Demanding me. That did not them. take them long at all. I no. don't actually know if there are any pictures pictures of Stephanie floating I don't think around so the web. Either. Like I don't even know if you could do a search and find. She's pretty top secret. Um <laughs> Uh, just take a picture of the, of the Daniela blow-up doll there in the corner, and uh, that's our... That's Everybody, our, yeah, just look at that. Yeah. <laughs> that's our uh, consistent uh, chat moderator there. So, I, th- uh, I don't know, maybe we could... I don't think we could get any pictures up of Stephanie, and I think that's a violation of her privacy. I agree. It's a violation of her privates. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that. I think that's all the announcements I have today. Um other than the fact that uh, we had some great barley wine out at yes. uh, out at Schooners, award winning barley wine, even I think they won uh, not only at the GABF but at uh, you know they, it was so funny because Craig the brewer out there along with Sean Burns the owner uh, they, he was talking and he was reeling off all the awards they won for this thing and I was my you know I was just yeah right that sounds yeah yeah can I get some more of the O two yeah <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> your lips are moving but uh, my glass is empty. <laughs> Enough of the award talk. Start pouring, buddy. Yeah, you're right. No, it's another funny story is that I was, uh, that was the first time I've ever been out there. And they've been open for almost six years. And Sean Burns and I were kind of going down similar paths trying to open up our own place. And, uh, I opened mine and he would come in and, uh, and sit there and kind of like try to take it in because he was going through the same hoops and hurdles that I was going through. Yeah. And I, I feel ashamed that I, you know, it took Pete, you know, which is great, uh, to bring me out there. And, right. You've uh, never so, been ashamed no, they, even. Sean's just, he's that kind of guy. <laughs> he's just a shameful kind of guy. Yeah. Well, and this is the other thing, and, and this might spur on some questions for you folks at home if you want to ask later in the show. I didn't realize, like, uh, first of all, I knew that Pete is a rock star, but he's not just a brewing rock star. He's kind of a ladies' man. Like, <laughs> ooh, really? There were these like eighteen-year-old girls. Oh, coming 20, up 23, to us. please. You 23. are killing me. And they're coming up, and they're going, and and they're like, I mean, me and Chad are sitting there. We're not ugly guys necessarily. <laughs> well, and uh, I guess if you sit next to each other, it's hard to pick one out. So you man, they're neutral. like elbowing us in the chin to get out of the way, and they're like, "Hey, we just wanted to talk to Pete." And then they're they're like they're they're gushing like, "Pete, I just want you to know, man, I, I've loved your beer." I just wanted the 
Mr. Barley Wine. The heck with them. Just, <laughs> he didn't care. It was yeah. funny, and then the cameras came out. And yeah, the man's a rock star. He's oh, all around. Man. JP, um, if you want to start to, maybe you can get catch some crumbs. Well, start hanging out with Pete. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to catch crumbs when I'm laying on my couch watching the Sharks game this yeah. afternoon. You, but that's, that's all right. That's yeah. <laughs> your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good time, and it was. It, it's definitely interesting to see when you hang out with uh, these uh, quote-unquote beer celebrities. It's a lot of fun. You yeah, see. we're getting uh, uh, people in the chat reminiscing about how they got their first drunk on Pete's Wicked. On Pete's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to get a lot of that tonight. I think I was probably one of those people, yeah. too. <laughs> Off the record. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least, like, your first, you know, good beer drunk was probably on Pete's Wicked. So, exciting stuff, and that's what we're going to talk about today, and I'm looking forward to it. Pete's been a very gracious guy. He drove all the way out here from uh, Wisconsin or something. <laughs> it was a three-day drive to get here. <laughs> it was amazing. He wanted to do a phone-in. Sully wouldn't let him, so he drove out from wherever. In he his, he in bribed his, me with a growler of his double IPA, and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's really easy. You, you give a man beer, you get him drunk, and he'll do anything. He'll do whatever oh, is that women? Want. I forget. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, or JP. Yeah. Both. <laughs> Wait. Uh, what's the right answer? <laughs> All right. It's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Not that they've told me that. I just decided. Yeah. It's feedback. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Kick ass. Had a correction come in this week. Uh oh. Correction emails are good because uh, we get off on tangents on a lot of our topics. And, sure. Uh, we're in the we're in the middle of this competition series that we're doing. We did uh, competition part one last week. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Pizza entered his beers in some competitions before. We can really? ask him some questions later. Nice. His homebrews, I mean, not just not just the Pete's Wicked. Um, but and then we're doing part two next week. We're going to be uh, doing lots of judging. So and, yeah. and and by the way, a lot of people have been sending uh, sending their beer to me. I appreciate that. If you want to send beer, you got to get it here by the by the show next Sunday. Um, just send me an email, and I'll give you the address. And Can I have beer sent to me too? Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> isn't All you got to do is start an internet radio station. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find, Pete, that uh, while you started your company to become a successful person, I started mine just to drink free beer. <laughs> That's successful. What are you getting at, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, send me an email, and uh, we've, we're going to have, I think, um, did you talk to Pratt? Is he coming in next week? I have not, but I know he will. Okay. I'll call him tomorrow. I think we might end up having three uh, BJCP certified judges in here, plus mm-hmm. Dr. Scott uh, doing some official judging. So we got that going on. But uh, a little correction and... Uh, more of, he wanted to expound the great John Palmer. Ooh. Yeah. John listens to every show. It's not too bad when you have John Palmer correct you. It's not, although I like uh, almost every show I got to get some email from John telling me where I fucked up the week before. <laughs> and it gets it's rough. It's hard to hear yeah. sometimes cuz I look up to John and I le- I wish once he could send me one telling me how great the show was. But it wasn't about beer, it was about a grammatical error in a sentence you made or something <laughs> yeah, like that. That's grammar. what it should be really. Actually, the history of aluminum dates back to the late 1600s. It was very similar. No, he wanted to talk about, uh, we mentioned the appearance of your bottle when you send it into a competition, uh-huh. but we didn't discuss why that's on the BJC, uh, BJCP score sheet, and he actually had a, a bit of great information, so... He says, Justin, first, don't let the no-talent hack stuff get you down. I know that you're working to the best of your ability. Which isn't really a nice way to... I'd almost rather be called a no-talent hack than say, I know you're working to the best of your ability. It's like if he was here, he'd pat you on the head. Well, you're trying, honey, and that's what counts. Exactly. I'm like his retarded uh, radio friend. You'll do fine. 
He says, second, I think a key point that everyone missed on last week's show is why bottle appearance is on the BJCP score sheet. It's so that you can make allowances for effects of either bottle conditioning or counterpressure filling. For example, the steward brings the bottle to the table unopened. You pick up the bottle and check for a yeast layer and fill level. If there is a yeast layer, you note it on the score sheet that it's bottle conditioned. Now let's say that when the beer is poured, it's hazy. So now you can allow for that and say, okay, it was bottle conditioned, so you can allow for a little bit of haze. And he goes on about that a little bit. Um, he says, next, let's say that the fill level was too low, which would be more than one and a half inches of headspace, and there was no yeast layer. That bottle was probably counterpressure filled, or maybe even just filled from the Cobra tap. So he says, if I taste a little oxidation in the beer, then I know the oxidation probably came from the filling method and large headspace, and I can tell the brewer that in the comments. Hmm. So he makes some great points here. It's really all about feedback in these cases, and, and then he's able to say, you know, you didn't fill it right, and you're getting a little oxidation there. Right. He says, likewise, carbonation level. I always make sure that we don't open a beer until it's ready to be judged, and I assess carbonation level right after pouring visually. He says, does it seem to have the right carbonation level for the style? If it does not, and it is bottle conditioned, then there's a priming error. Uh, if it was not bottle conditioned and low for style, then it was a filling error, and I can make appropriate comments. <laughs> So, uh, overall, he's just saying he really, it's important because he wants to be able to give people the appropriate feedback when he's filling out the scoring sheet. And I think, I think that That's was pretty great. good. Yeah. He does say, I never mark down a beer for bottle appearance, fill, fill level or bottle conditioning versus kegged and filled. You're never taking off points for that. He's not marking mm. them down. Uh, he said, it's all about judging the beer and understand where those flavors and aromas came from. So that's all I wanted to say is that it's good to be able to decide what flavors he's getting or off flavors based on the bottle appearance. So good piece of feedback from the great John Palmer and eat me at the same time, John. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing and keep it to yourself. <laughs> uh, here's a good one that I got um, from one of our listeners um, who was in Iraq. We get a lot of uh, feedback from guys that are over in Iraq and they like our show over there. And, and this guy just got out. He says, hey, guys, I made it back from Iraq safely. I brewed a batch of beer on March 26, almost one year of not brewing. So I think a good round of applause hey. that he finally got to brew a beer. That's fantastic. And he says, I didn't... And he survived. What do you mean? And he sur- well, I was just thinking It's not going well over there. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and he says, I didn't screw up anything like Justin usually does. So that's good, too. Anyway, I start 30 days of much-needed vacation on April 1st. He starts it today. And he's rented a car for two weeks, and he's going to drive around Japan looking for microbrew. And he wants any suggestions. He says he's done a Google search, but that didn't provide too much useful information. Maybe some some of the TBN listeners might be able to make some suggestions. He's going to start his trip in Hiroshima and head towards Tokyo. He's heard about a place called Harbor Brewery in Tokyo. He says he's going to give that a try. And any information would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for everything the brewcasters do. I truly believe that you fuckers help me maintain my sanity <laughs> while deployed in Iraq. There's and actually uh, it's good. Semper Fi from Mark. There's a guy over there, uh, Brian Harrell, who's an American who lives in Japan, and he puts out an email newsletter about events and beers in Japan. So he maybe wants to do a Google search for it's like B R Y A N H A R R E L L. He's also Brian the Harrell. correspondent for the Celebrator yes. beer magazine out of Hayward, California. So if you contact the Celebrator, you should be able to get in touch with Brian. There you go, Brian Harrell. 
or celebrated. That's a good. So he yeah. does a whole newsletter about. Jack yeah, he'll he'll, okay. he'll send an email out about what what's going on over there. So okay, it's a good source. And uh, you listeners out there, if you've got some tips too, why don't you go ahead and uh, maybe we can start it in the beer radio uh, thread of the forum, and and we can help this guy out. And I'll send him an email back to check our forum, and we'll give him some tips of where to find beer in Japan. So I think that's cool. The guy got out of there. He's going straight for the beer. Good man. There's probably going to be some prostitutes involved somewhere along the way. You can be hopefully. Sure. Uh, hey, Justin, love the BN. You guys are awesome. I just got an account on Verb.com at the request of some friends and joined a few groups. I searched around and found that there's no brewing network group, so I started one. He added the BN logo and hopes I don't mind, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess we now, if you go to Verb.com, you know, there's all these Internet, like, communities going on. Yeah. I don't do any of them, but there's, like... Like, you got that whole MySpace thing happening. <laughs> Everyone's like, you need a MySpace page, and I just think the thing's ridiculous. You, you say that like you're, like, 80 years old. What's I this MySpace it. thing? It's just... Do, Hello? Do you, you have a MySpace page, don't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, you and I should be friends. Yeah. How, how do you think I started dating Stephanie? <laughs> From MySpace. <laughs> so people start these groups on these things, which I think, yeah. is, I think it's great. Yes. In fact, someone posted a different group on our forum, and I couldn't figure out even how to use it. This is how retarded I am with these groups. <laughs> did you have your old woolen button-up sweater on, too? I did, and uh-huh. I lucky I could figure out how to use that. Yeah. <laughs> Dial phone. Do they still have the Internet? So go to verb.com and you can search for Brewing Network and uh, and and find a group there based around the Brewing Network. I don't mind if you guys do that. He was kind of sending me the, sure. the heads up in case I, it bothered me, but I think it's great. I think you guys should be starting beer communities all over the place. Unless they get too big and then you send a cease and desist letter and you sue them. Yeah. <laughs> don't scare me with all the groups on the internet. It's almost time for the show. <laughs> all of these things could happen. That was Mayor uh, Sullivan. You want a nice... That was me? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you want a nice email, Sully? I like nice emails. Let, me, let me write one, then. <laughs> it says, Justin, I started listening to the Brewing Network about three months ago, and in that time I've been primarily listening to the Sunday show. I started at the beginning and just last week caught up to real time. That's a lot of uh, listening he's been doing in three months. I listened to the show in my car, on a train, and recently on a series of east-west, east-coast flights, where I imagine the people on the flight had no idea why I was happy and amused, even when the flight was delayed and we were sitting on the tarmac. That's cool stuff, Sally. I like keeping people smiling when it... Everyone I actually, I've been traveling a lot lately, and I've been listening to the show as well. And do we keep you smiling? I smile sometimes. That's occasionally, when you hear your own voice. Especially when I'm stuck on the tarmac. <laughs> I've completely enjoyed the show and love the mix of a warm group of, fe- of friends and the extended group of solid experts uh, of practical information and geeky science. I just started brewing, and your show has helped me really move from novice to someone who thinks they know more than they do in a short time. The important thing is that I and my friends are drinking my own homebrew on tap, and it's really decent and improving. It says, even though I've never called into the show and don't uh, know personally of your inner circle of friends, I was still sad when I finally caught up on the podcast and was ready to start listening live and then learned that Daniela decided to move back to Germany. She passed away. <laughs> She's dead to us. Uh, no, only to Doc. Oddly, although this is irrelevant to my life in comparison, I found after listening to so many hours of the show, I was caught up in both your attempt to make a living out of the Brewing Network, your personal relationships, and the fun and casual vibe of the show. And then he goes on. He gets a little more personal there. I'm not going to read all that. But he said a lot of nice stuff. And uh, it's good to hear that people, uh, you know, eh, we do this thing because it is kind of a family, and it's your show, not ours. So we're glad that you feel a part of it. 
and uh, everyone's uh, still feeling the aftermath of Daniela heading back to the fatherland. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of weird down there. This is the first time I've been here. She hasn't been here. It's, uh, it smells Hello, well. Sean. It's <laughs> How are you? Are you going to clean this place? Yes. <laughs> it does smell a lot worse now that she's gone. I'll tell you that right Sorry. Now. Pete, usually it smells good in here. So don't don't mind the bo. It smells We're, like there's a dog in here, <laughs> <laughs> and there's not. That's just me. Yeah. By the way, you have a, uh, someone on the phone, but I, I don't have your thing off. Uh, oh, I got to turn my thing on. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. All right, let me just take the phone. Caller, you're on the air. What's happening? Uh, hey, how you doing? We're doing great. Who are we talking to? Hey, this is uh, Matt from Idaho. Hey, Matt. Hey, uh, I had, I had a brewing question for you guys. Okay. Um, baseball season's coming up. It's starting today. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm brewing some beers that I want some uh, like really really low gravity, kind of low hopped um, beers that I can drink a ton of, and if they go into extra innings, maybe drink a few more. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but I don't want to I don't want to brew any light light beers. I mean, in the past I've brewed like Scottish sixties and Kolsch's, but I'm kind of kind of hoping maybe you guys had some more ideas for like low gravity beers. Don't have a ton of hops, but still have some flavor to them. Bel- Belgian wit. Belgian oh, wit. Great summertime one. beer. So refreshing. A little tart. Uh, very thirst quenching. Agreed. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's an excellent one to do. I think that an English bitter is known to one that you can sit at the pub and drink all afternoon. Although it's not as light as as the Belgian wit, like Pete says. We brew a beer at the two one A right now, brand new beer called um, Bitter American, and it's a three point six uh, ABV, uh, like a light IPA basically, and so it's got a lot of hop flavor, hop aroma, um, and a little bit of body to it, uh, and it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you just want to pay attention to your, we up the mash temperature on the beer so we get a little bit more body in it and, uh, obviously have a lot less grain than our normal IPA, but, uh, I would play around with that. You just, you don't have to brew a light beer. You just gotta brew, uh, I guess, I, I never like the word, but you gotta brew a session beer. So it's lower in alcohol. And, um, you know, and, and a lot of the wheat beers, not just like a Belgian wit, but uh, a lot of the wheat beers can be, and it doesn't have to be a Hefeweizen to be a wheat beer. If you're not into that kind of clovey banana thing, you can do other, all sorts of different wheat beers. Yeah, malt. the great thing about adding wheat malt is that, uh, you get a lot of body out of it, and you get a, uh, sort of a, a biscuity, bready flavor out of it, so, uh. I'll accept that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just got a lot, uh, a lot going on it for a very, uh, for a lighter, uh, lighter beer, so. Uh, the wheat adds a tartness to too, which I like, you know, during the summer, would you rather have a tart or a sweet lemonade or whatever aid during the summer, and you want typically tart for thirst quenching, yeah. and the wheat adds that tartness that makes it so so great during the summer. There you go. That answer your question? Yeah, yeah, so uh, something with wheat in it. Try, try yeah. to mess around with something more with wheat. Yeah, anything that, if you go to, uh, go to Jamil's page on our website, just hit the Jamil button, and you'll end up getting to some of his recipes. And he's got some lighter ones on there too. And, uh, a while back, Dr. Scott did, uh, the Belgian wit style. Uh, for the Jamil show, so the one, the first one that Pete mentioned, and he's got a great recipe up there, I think, from that. And Dr. Scott brews an excellent Belgian wit. That might be a good place to start. Oh, great! So, all right. Well, thank you. Cheers, brother. Okay. Good luck. Thank you, and Rat Pad. Oh, yeah, you there you go. We haven't even said it. A fellow Rat Padder. How about that? That's what we call this place. <laughs> All right. In lieu of there being no Daniela's World vigorously for a couple of weeks, I thought I'd bring back the news segment for a little bit. Uh, although I think Daniela might be doing a segment for us next week. But I found some really good stuff in the news this week that I thought we could cover. 
and I might have a game for us to play after Ooh. the break. Yeah, I invented a new game. Games. Yeah? I like games. Is it the, is it the quiet game? It's, uh... <laughs> all right, everybody be quiet. Yeah. No, it's you know you guys know I like to do 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 new games and stuff, and I I don't know if this one's going to work or not. I just I thought of it in the wee hours, and it sounds fun. We'll see how it goes over, I guess. But uh, here's an interesting story, uh, Sully. I I thought of you for this, and I I don't know why. I just did. That's nice. Uh, Israeli entrepreneurs reportedly have developed a beer that contains laughing gas. Yediat Akronot. <laughs> Am I pronouncing that right, Pete? Absolutely. You're the only, well. Actually, there's two Jews in the room. <laughs> I should have asked Stephanie if I'm pronouncing that right as well. Uh, he reported Sunday that two Israeli uh, chemical. Actually, I think that's probably a paper, not a he. Uh, reported Sunday that two Israeli chemical engineers have come up with a way of incorporating nitrous oxide into an imported Czech beer. Uh, the health ministry approval is uh, pending, and they're going to start selling the product as soon as that happens. According to the report, the beer is likely to cause its drinkers to laugh, though the amount of laughing gas bubbles the brew contains is small, and they quickly leave the body. The entrepreneurs also plan to market a similar hybrid vodka. (laughs) I have to laugh because uh, that's gas going in. When we first did our commercial Wicked Ale, it was made with extract, and we found that it was... Huge in causing flatulence. Is that right? <laughs> it wasn't until we went to all grain that we got rid of the, the gas on the outside. Is that what did you? What was the specific thing you discovered that was causing the flatulence? Was it just? Uh, well, we guess it was the malt extract. Uh, we were doing a brew and uh, trying to get it bottled, and I went out to get pizzas for everybody while um, everybody was bottling, and came back, and the brewery did not smell like a brewery. <laughs> was it the pizzas? That's uh, kind no, of fun, it, w- though. it was before the pizzas got there. <laughs> Well, the project has elicited censor from Israeli's anti-drug authority, which noted that laughing gas is, in fact, a controlled substance. Don't tell Dr. Scott that, by the way. (laughs) I would buy that beer. Sully, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anything that makes me laugh, Justin. I feel funny. (laughs) Like JP. Yeah, you go. JP, do I really have to take this call? I I mean, what am I going to do, man? What? Sully, there's a guy on the phone. Oh, jeez. Why do you have to begin it like that? He wants to make a toast for some dude that died. And JP says he sounds like he's on the verge of tears already. I can't say no to someone like that. Wow. Well. Okay. <laughs> How intense this is going to be. Jesus, right. if he's... Let's talk him off then. All right, listen. Caller, if you, I, I, you can hear what's going before I put you on. If we start making fun of you and that bothers you, then don't... Then hang up now. Because that just might happen. It can't be a big downer. If it's your mom or something, I won't make fun of you. All right, you got to do a toast or what? Yeah. What's going on? What happened? Uh, Joe Murphy of the uh, Farpoint Media family, he's a podcaster. Um, he's an awesome dude, man. He was just one of the good folks you've ever met, one of the sweetest people in the world. Hey, and hang, hang on one second. Today. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Nobody knows the far point. Me, let's get some perspective before we say who it is. Uh, they, do, what's the podcast that you guys do? The Far Point Media does. The Far Point P- Media does a number of science fiction podcasts, but then they also do Speaking of Beer. That's what it is. Speaking of Beer, which, by the way, is a pretty decent podcast. Everybody, I've listened to it. Yeah, Charlie the Beer Guy is one of the people who works with Far Point. So. Okay, so who is the guy who works with them? What does he do? That you're talking uh, about. Joe Murphy was one of the regulars. He was one of the major people who was on like three or four of their shows. Okay. And he was just 
a great guy, and he died of cancer today oh, at two o'clock, actually. And so that's terrible. I just wanted to do a shout out and a toast. Hey, that's fair enough. I'm glad you called to do that. Actually, Let, well, I'll do a toast here in the sure. studio. Everybody's got a beer uh, to Mr. Murphy. That's uh, I'm toast. sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Cheers, everybody. And, Prost. Uh, wow. And, and for more information about it, you can find out at Joe Murphy Memorial Fund dot org. One word. Okay. How uh, how old was he? He was a great guy. How old was he? He was only 34, I think. Oh, Ooh, God, I like to hear that. That's terrible. Uh, I'm sorry to hear That's that, too actually. too bad. Uh, uh, my condolences go to uh, everybody who knew him and the family, too. I'm real sorry to hear that. Uh, thanks for, and for giving us... Rat Hat. Rat Hat, exactly. Gonna, oh, give, us the, uh, give us the website once more. Joe Murphy Memorial Fund, all one word, dot org. Okay, fair enough. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Where was he calling from? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I just found that Speaking of Beer podcast the other day, too. It's all right. Guy does a good job. And uh, I saw that it was part of that media group. I hate to hear that stuff. You know, we had Linda not too long ago. and Yeah, it was a bummer. But, you know, he outlived Jesus. That's pretty good. That's true. Anytime you <laughs> outlive Jesus, you're doing all right, you know. JP, thanks for putting it in perspective. Yeah. That's why I hang out with JP. I feel like okay now. Yeah, every time I start to get down, JP's like, hey, well, um, you know, you're not cripple. <laughs> Yet. Yeah, at, le- at least I haven't hit you in the face, yeah. right? Yeah, things like that. Hey, I didn't kick you in the nuts yet today. That's like how JP handles his girlfriends. <laughs> what are those? <laughs> yeah. True. Ah, uh, well, that's too that bad. poor sharks. And is, uh, hey, they won. <laughs> okay, um, how about this? I got another story, uh, Sully. This one you just went through recently. but Rehab? Have- yeah. Oh, sorry. I wasn't supposed to talk about that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, it's a member of the beer law they just passed, uh, you know, that you're allowed to give away beer now? For yes, sampling. yes, sampling. Yes. Well, now it's happening in Wisconsin. A bill's making its way through the state assembly uh, that would allow liquor and grocery stores to offer free samples of beer to customers. Assembly Bill 122 has support from retailers and microbrewers because it would give them an opportunity to market their products to a larger segment of the population and compete with the larger companies, which is why Sully was kind of back in the one here in California. The bill's author um, uh, whatever his name, it doesn't matter. Uh, he comes from the same city as Leinenkugel, who's uh, experiencing Chippewa, quite a revolution, Chippewa by the way. Falls. Like, Leinenkugel's been around for years, but now they're really, that whole retro thing's kind of kicking ass for them. Them and Pabst, they're really seeing a, a, they a growth spurt out of that. Some Cans, law enforcement, Cans uh, are coming back. Now, the same... <laughs> Uh, 21st Amendment, it's at uh, 563 2nd Street. Uh, It's from AT&T Park. Um, Some law enforcement officials and alcohol abuse prevention folks fear it's bad public policy. Same thing that went on here, too. It's the crap that goes on with the neo-prohibitionists. People thinking that they're just like... It doesn't mean you're allowed to give away the whole tank that you just brewed. It's, you know, know, it's like, heaven forbid their kids would see a beer ad, too. But this is interesting. Um, I have an opinion about that. (laughs) Wisconsin has the highest rate of binge drinkers in the country. Let's toast to that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Very rapidly and in quick succession. And central Wisconsin is above the state average. So they're even higher. Uh, there are a lot of places in our community for people to get a drink, said Portage County District Attorney. 
People with alcohol issues can't stop at one or two. One of the ways they deal with their problem is to avoid situations where they will be tempted. A grocery store should be a safe place. So I guess he's concerned <laughs> that people are going to get, they need bread. They're a recovering alcoholic and some dude yeah. is in the bread aisle handing out free beer. No, come on, just try it. No, I, I, I really can't. I gotta go to the eggs. I gotta get eggs. You'll like this. This will be the best beer you've ever had. Uh, I don't know. I'm recovering. I gotta think of it from that perspective. I That's do a good wonder point. if I was a recovering I mean, there's something about free beer that, whether you're an alcoholic or not, it's pretty irresistible. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a problem with that? <laughs> so, an interesting point there. Let's see. Uh, the bill passed unanimously out of the Senate Affairs Committee earlier this month and will be scheduled soon for a full floor vote. It's already legal to give free samples of wine at grocery and liquor stores in Wisconsin. Now, here is the heart of the bill, everybody, and this is the part that the brewers in California focused on, too. Um, it's that wine guys have always been allowed to hand out free samples of, of their wine. Of course, it depends on your on your liquor license, but it's never really been a big issue. People assume that you should be allowed to taste wine, and it's really part of us getting craft beer into this uh, into the same realm as being something that, that, that is tasted. Yep. And that and has variety, and that you you really should try to figure out if you like this style or that style, just like you do wine. That the beer guys finally said, "Wait a second, why can we not give tastes of our beer if the wine guys can do it with their wine?" And the liquor guys—that's the irony of it. I mean, that's here you are—you're you're able to go out and sample people on hard liquor. I mean, why has beer not been part of that? So yeah. it's nice to have it kind of turning the tide there. So one of the proponents says, hey, of course, we're carding people for the samples, just like we would if they're buying it. Um, some people are hesitant to spend money on a beer that they haven't tried before, he said, and this would give them a chance to sample our product before they purchase it. It's really all the same things that the wine uh, people would advocate of why they should be able to let people come taste their wine. So. Yeah, there's, I mean, there is some, the, the craft brewers actually had a concern that it was, what was a, it was a bill in California that was sponsored by AB, it was pushed through by AB, yeah. and uh, it, 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 we were all worried that uh, they're going to go out and give free beer and push and kind of push us out of the marketplace in a lot of ways because we wouldn't be able to compete with um, with them at that level because we're small craft brewers. Yeah. Uh, and so there were some things restrictions that were put on it because the bill was going to pass anyway. So the California small brewers really got behind it and kind of uh, lobbied to have it uh, restricted so they can't hand you a beer. They have to pour it into a cup. They can only do eight ounces a day. It's like there's all these things that are behind it. You can also do it only so many times per year. Yes. So it's Exactly. Like you can show up every Friday at the local bar and start handing yeah. out bud. You know, it's really it's a very restricted thing. And because I think, I think fun. all of us, you know, have been to college uh, for yeah. the most part, and uh, I think that I'd be down there. Of course, it's free beer in a second. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't care if you're a connoisseur or not. I mean, free beer says something to the heart. Like it speaks to you right here, and it draws you out of your hole. Even JP would leave the Sharks game on his couch for free beer. Maybe not that much. Yeah. He just looked at you like, I'd, are you crazy talk, man? I'd, I'd sit up straight. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, did you want to chime in before I take a break? Yeah, just Go ahead. with this tasting, one of the things we found with uh, with beer is that we're trying to promote craft beer as great full-flavored beer compared to the industrial stuff. But we're also trying to say beer can work with whole different uh, areas of food. 
And one of the nice things is if you can taste beer in a grocery store, you can team with vendors from other categories, cheeses or tomato sauce or you name it, and you can highlight not only how good the beer is but how well it can team with other food groups. And it's a great way to promote it's not just wine and food anymore, but beer can work with all sorts of food groups. That's true. And, 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 uh, you know, we're all immersed in the beer community, and you listeners also, so you all know that. But not everybody knows that. And this is great for the average person maybe going to the grocery store or somebody else who doesn't know that. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, they may be a chocolate fan, and you could turn them into a beer fan real quick just by pairing those two things together. So, an excellent point. All right, we're here with uh, the artist formerly known as Pete's Wicked Ales. And uh, he's going to help us talk all about uh, craft brew history here in a little while. Call us 888-401-BEER or join us in the chat room. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. My work day's done. Go grab a shower. Let's hit the pub. It's happy hour. If we get bombed, who gives a damn? I'm not as drunk as you think I am. Those chicks right there don't look too good. But three more beers, I guess I would. It's either them or my right hand. I'm not as think as you drunk I am. Face. He's 
Lucky that it's closing time. Drunk am is not as you think you I'm. So buy another round. We'll sit right here and drink them down. Yeah, everyone, another beer. You'll have to kick us out of here. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Pete Slosberg, the founder of Pete's Wicked Ales, and we're going to be talking to him in just a couple of minutes all about how he started that company. I know you all know of it. It was the probably the first uh, decent beer you had, especially if you were a college kid around the time it was coming out. And uh, he's got some great stories. We're going to get into that. You can reach us at 888-401-BEER if you want to call, or you can join JP in the chat room, and Stephanie's going to be in there helping out soon. Just hit the Chat Now button right on our homepage, thebrewingnetwork.com. Hit the chat now button. It'll take you right into the chat room. And you can also Skype us at uh, Brewing Network. So you want to do this game that I that I thought of? I don't know if it's, if it's that great. Does it involve uh, any sort of lubricant? No. Oh, then okay. no, forget just, it. Uh, <laughs> then you're out. A social lubricant. I'm going to need a... I want a caller. 888-401-BEER. Call, somebody call in. I need a caller contestant to play it. The game that I invented is called Spammernaut. Uh. And I found through looking through my feedback emails... And then also my spam folder. The topics, you know, you have to summarize your email to, to get someone to read it. Yes. The topics are very similar in my spam folder as they are from my listener folder. Are you sure you don't have, like, your special friend, maybe? You think is- <laughs> well, and I sometimes have a hard time deciding if I should open the email or not. Right. So I thought we could play. I would read you some, um, some of the, the topics... And you could decide if they're spam or not. Hence, spam or not. I'm game. Yeah. You think we should try? I don't know if it's going to be as funny as it was in my head in the middle of the night when I thought of it. But uh, it sounded to me like a good game and just an easy way to get a quick uh, bit of entertainment into the show. 888-401-BEER. We think we got a caller right now. Caller, you're on the air. Who are we talking oh, to? Oh, perfect. Who we got here? Yeah, who you think it is, uh, you douche. Oh, <laughs> 
How is it? Mom, that, what are you doing? How is it that people <laughs> don't know they got to pick up the phone really quick if they want to defeat Bub to the to Dude, the I didn't even get up. I had to, like, get up, run across the house to get the phone. I mean, there was plenty of time. I would have liked to see that, though. Bub's in his underwear. He gets up. He sprints across the house. Lumbering. You know, like, in, I can picture I just saw Borat last night. Good, It's man. like uh, the Borat, Borat's producer yeah. when he's running down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, that's, like what, that. that's what I picture like. Bub as. All right, you yeah, want to play I, I do not sprint anywhere. <laughs> you want to play Spam or Not with us? Sure, what the hell? All right, here's what we'll do. Um, I'm trying Should, to shouldn't we give it to someone who doesn't call all the time? Yeah. Yeah, so gonna, if you ever got anybody other than me to call, then maybe that would be okay. Yeah, yeah maybe I should hang up on Bub and see if someone else would call. I'm going to hang up on you, Bub. Oh, that's cool. Uh, 888-401-BEER. I do kind of want a new listener to play. It's easy. All you got to do is answer whether it's spam or not. I'll start with uh, I'll start with Pete. We'll just give him an example, okay? And I'll give you one. And all you have to do is say whether it was uh, spam or not. That's okay. Pressure. Oh my God, pressure. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I feel like there should be tick 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 do 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 Pete. Okay. And I'm reading it. Exa- I, I, all of these are exactly how they were typed in my email. Good. Okay. Or else it wouldn't be much of a game. The choose is your. Spam. That was real. <laughs> See, this is my point. I have a hard time deciding if these... What are you saying about your listenership? <laughs> I know. That was a... It was a... I told you, George. It was a real email that was sent to us called The Choose is Real. Do we have a caller that's ready to play? Call, are you there? Yeah. Who are we talking to? This is uh, Chris from Tallahassee. Oh, all right, good. All right. Now we're talking. We don't want to talk to Bub all the time, Chris. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of hearing from him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you got you got the name of the game? Yeah, I think I got a handle on it. Okay, all you got to do is say, uh, uh, you know, spam or not. And the one that I just did with Pete, the choose is your, he thought was spam, was actually real. All right. So Who you, wrote it? So you can see what's <laughs> That's happening. what I want to know. Uh, okay, here you go. What the fuck? All right, that's got to be real. That was real. <laughs> yeah, that was somebody uh, typing me about something we had said on the show that he was unhappy about. Okay? Uh, All right. It sucks what happened. That's spam. No, that's real. Uh, <laughs> These are all real. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Are you keep, JP? Keep score here. He's got one oh, right and one wrong. Snap. Uh, Chris. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm on it. I'm all over that. Okay. Are you ready this time? Uh, that's real. No, that's spam. Ah. It's just, it's, I can't believe that I have to go through this every time I read my mail. <laughs> uh, did you get that one? Uh, what one? I am not a homo. <laughs> that was the headline. I am not a homo. Uh, I sent that to you. That was me. <laughs> well, there's not a whole lot of listeners that can say that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'll go for spam. That's also real. <laughs> good ah. logic, though. I love the logic. That is good logic. <laughs> I'm telling you, the next big prize we give away should be based on this game because it's impossible to tell which ones. Okay, uh, learn to relax this time. <laughs> Real. Spam. Right. <laughs> yeah, you suck at this game. Yeah, this is not good. Let's get someone else. 
Uh, yeah, you want to try somebody else? All right, we're yeah. gonna uh, we'll keep your score, and we're gonna try somebody else. Yeah. All right, brother. I got a couple left. Eight 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 four zero one beer. What do you think? How's the game going, everybody? I think it's, I think it's great. great. It is t- like it's not funny. It's not one of our funny like beer Jeopardy games, but it is tough to figure out. It is. It's um. Uh, it's taxing. Yeah. My mental ability. <laughs> You're having a rough time. Over. I am. Here. I, I can just see like, it. Your head is turning red. It, I, it's always that color. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that's right. Your hair is turning red now. <laughs> yeah, your hair is actually red. Eight 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 four zero one beer. I only got a couple questions left. We'll see who the master of spam or not is, and uh, get somebody to call in. I just have a couple more left. When CBS picks this up, <laughs> yeah. you can say, "Yeah, when Jay, Leno, it. when Jay Leno steals it." Yeah, what you. we got here yeah. is a spam or not spam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. someone's going right. to steal spam or not. It's right? spam or maybe. Yeah, they steal all my. They stole the internet from me, and now they're going to steal spam or not. I can tell. That was all they Gordon. stole TV from me. Yeah, and talking and breathing. Canned beer. Uh, what? Caller, you're on the air. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is Andrew Morgan. And where are you from, Andrew? Uh, Santa Cruz. Oh, all right. Local boy, yeah. sort of. Andrew, why, yeah. why are you breathing hard? Why are you using both your names? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Pete, you ever driven out to Santa Cruz? It's way the hell out there. It's uh, it's within the state, not like not like Concord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, spam or not, who are you selling products for? That's real. That is real. See, I thought for sure that was going to get spam. Uh, you mean a wow. listener sent that to you? Yeah, they want it because... What do they want to know? They wanted to know how to support the Brewing Network. So if we were, like, selling any books or shirts or anything like that for other people, they wanted to buy from us instead of... That's just the, such a weird thing to put in a ray line. Like I know. That, and, subject line. I, and this is why I never know whether to open Did these Sean just called a ray line? Yeah, That's from my legal days. Okay. <laughs> uh... Uh, Sean know. was in prison for a while. Exactly. <laughs> can't yeah. talk about it. I still can't sit down. I don't now. I don't know which ones I read already. Um, That's all right. He probably won't remember. Hope it is better now. Did I read that already? No. No. Hope it is better now. <laughs> oh God. Um, that's spam. You're right. That's spam. Oh, uh, I should probably be writing these down. Huh? He's two for two. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. What are the lessons to be learned here? Ooh, that one's tough. Um, I'm going to say real. No, that's spam. Uh. That was a spam. I think I only have one more. I'm trying to figure out what did I read. Uh, I already read I'm not a homo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my favorite one, yeah. by the way. I'm not a homo. Okay, remember to tell me later. You're right. That's spam, and All I think right. we have a winner there, right? What's the score? <coughs> three to one. Three four to one. Oh yeah. no! The only the other guy only got one right. Yeah, the uh, and four wrong. Is that right? Yeah, wow. So. Yeah, you did pretty good. Um, I don't know. Do we, are we gonna send him something, JP? You know, I have a bunch of swag from uh, uh, Hop Union and White Labs that I haven't necessarily brought over here yet to give away. So, All right. Yeah, you, we'll give him something. Like that. You want some swag? Yeah. Send me an email that you won the spam or not game, and I'll uh, do, do. Don't do a weird uh, topic title though. Okay, it'll be safe for it. Yeah, and then uh, we'll get you a gift. Did I win? Oh, awesome. Cheers, brother. Thanks for playing. Right, cheers. Bye. Right, I want what you have. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one that comes all the time is, what happened last night? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Nothing. But uh, you hit reply, and that way it won't actually open it, so if it's a virus or anything. What happens know. when you hit reply? Then it, it comes It comes in the body of the, of oh, the reply, but it, if, in case there's a virus in it, it doesn't launch 
a virus. You must so have that's a, a good way to know. You have a PC, right? Yeah. Okay. Why you can't do that on a Mac? No, you can't. <laughs> you can't get. You don't have to worry about. You don't even get. You don't even get spam no, on you, a Mac. You don't have to worry about. No, you can't hit replies. <laughs> you just actually, it. you know what I'm doing right now? I'm, uh, there's a Texting? buddy. Of, there's a buddy of mine at, that works at Apple, and I've been. I heard about this program that uh, you can you, you can test uh, Apple products if you kind of if you use them and you talk about them. Yeah. So that so I'm going to be doing that every once in a while because I'm trying to get free Apple products. So you have to come in here and talk about yes. your Apple. So I'll be doing it on the CBS show and also K Fog. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> Apple, located at 589 2nd Street, Cupertino. As long as Sully gets his free stuff, I guess everybody's happy. All right, let's start talking to Pete, huh? Enough dicking around for today. I thought we'd give you some entertainment. And yeah, the guy's come, sitting uh, here like... He's falling asleep. Is this a show? Thing <laughs> is, Let me know when we're on. Yeah. <laughs> I did give you fair warning, Pete. I said if you're going to drive, you should probably come later. Not until 6 or so, because we dick around for a good hour. But uh, we're going to talk to Pete Slosberg, uh, formerly of Pete's Wicked Ales. And uh, he is the Pete, the guy that invented the whole thing. And i got a lot of questions for you, but I want to start from the beginning with you. Because uh, I really want to know the history, and I think people are interested. I was telling you a little bit, little bit before the show, Pete, that there's a whole thread going on in our forum right now. Uh, people talking about their jobs, and you got some guys in there who say, "Man, do I love my job?" And you got other guys who hate it, and and they talk about the amount of time that they spend there versus their free time. And I think that uh, an entrepreneur like yourself is fascinating because uh, you worked for a number of years, you know, for other companies before you decided to take the plunge. So let's get into that. Uh, what did you do before you ever got in? To the beer thing. Well, my degree in uh, I got my degree from Columbia's Engineering School in New York City in space mechanics and propulsion. Is that right? He's so a rocket I, scientist. So I like to say it doesn't take a rocket scientist to make beer or chocolate, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But after I got my degree, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do when I grew grew up. So I went back to graduate school and got an MBA. Okay. And even then, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do when I grew up. But all during this six-year period, all at Columbia in New York City, the drinking age was 18 back then, and I did not drink alcohol. Nothing at all. I hated it. There's, matter of fact, for my bar mitzvah, I cried to my parents, <laughs> don't let me have a Friday night ceremony because I have to drink wine. I don't want to do that. Really? Yeah, I, I disliked it completely. What was the reason? Was it the taste or yeah, you had taste. some social? It just well, was don't a- forget. Uh, the wine they serve at bar mitzvahs, you know, Manischewitz is... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's true. But, uh, I, I, you know, even in high school, my friends would try beer, and I, I would hate it, tried uh, wine, hated it. Just never liked it, okay. Just never liked it. And in college, I never liked it. And then I met my wife. Okay. <laughs> and she drove me to drink, and I thank her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that happens to a lot of guys. It's weird. Boy, this dog is great. Biscuits keeps walking through the legs. Yeah, she's. Uh, uh, she, I trained her to do that. She gives a little rub every now and then, if you know what I mean. Keep everybody awake. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in uh, in graduate school, my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, got me to try wine with her. But the only way I could try, I could drink the wine, was to throw it in the freezer. Little did I realize that you know something ice cold deadens your taste buds on your tongue. Sure, but the only way I could drink it was ice cold. Okay, but uh, over the next couple of years, I decided to try beer at room at refrigerator temperature, regular temperature, and then at room temperature, and I started getting to wine. I got a job in upstate New York in Rochester, New York, with a big company, and there were a lot of interesting wineries in upstate new york okay one called bully hill walter taylor the son the grandson of the taylor company was making very interesting wines and got more and more into wine uh then ultimately a friend of mine 
had us to dinner, and he poured a wine that was spectacular. Okay. Best wine I ever had. So I asked him who made it, and he said, I did. Ah. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, come to my cellar, showed me the equipment. And I thought, damn, I thought you had to have a winery to make wine. I didn't know you could make it at home. Yeah. So I told my wife, this would be great to try to make wine at home, but our apartment was so tiny, we didn't have the room. So I told her, if we ever got more room, let's try to make wine. Came to the Bay Area in 79. Okay. And looked in the Yellow Pages and found a, uh, an interesting place called Wine and the People, which turns out to be a mecca for microbrewing on the West Coast. But Wine and the People on University Avenue in Berkeley had winemaking equipment, went over there, and not only did they have the equipment, but they had literally tons of grapes. You could buy 100-pound lots, so I got 100 pounds of Cabernet Sauvignon grapes from the Stag's Leap region of Napa, hand-squeezed it, fermented it, and then all of a sudden realized after fermentation, shit, what do I do now? i got to wait five years to drink this crap. I don't want to wait. <laughs> yeah, forget that. So I called them back, and uh, they said you can make white wine in a year or two. I thought... That's quicker, but still too long. Yeah. Then he said you can make homebrew. And I thought, homebrew? And he said you can make it in a month or two. I yeah. said, I like the time, but I don't like beer. I hate beer. Ah. And he said, you ever have homebrew? And I said, no, never. And he, then he said something quite curious. He said, if you've never had a homebrew, you've never had real beer. So try it. Yeah. So, so with the home winemaking equipment, it was uh, pretty similar to making homebrew you know, from an extract perspective. So I tried my uh, homebrew, and, and that first homebrew was just so extraordinary. In hindsight, it was probably crap. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but it was, then it was so different. But it was so much better than any yeah. commercial beer I had. I wondered, wow, this is this is pretty cool. Yeah. So I made more and more homebrews, and I kept wondering, why the hell do I like this homebrew and not the commercial stuff? And after, I don't know, four or five, six months, it, it, I realized there was a flavor in homebrew that was getting my attention, and I couldn't identify it. And all of a sudden, I realized my favorite candy as a kid was a malt ball. And when I could taste in the beer the inside of a malt ball, I thought, this is fucking... I can't. Can I say that? Yeah, fine with that. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, And then I did a little more research and found out the reason I didn't like the big mass-produced beers was they minimized the malt by adding rice and corn, and you couldn't taste the malt. Yeah. So uh, I got into... Uh, I got into home brewing the hard way through wine, and uh, I got into alcohol through my wife. And I love to say she drove me to drink, and I thank her every day. <laughs> but she just was a big wine person, and, and she uh, wasn't a big drinker, but she liked to drink now and then. And I wanted to drink with her, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, how old were you when you when you then started drinking? I was 29 when I drank beer and enjoyed really? it for the first time. Okay. So I, I started late in life, but I'm making up for lost time. Yeah. Sean, yeah, you, Sean you want to pour me another beer? Yeah, yeah. you've did. you done great today, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but, uh, then, but then I, I got so into it that I worked at a Silicon Valley company that had beer bus every Friday, and they were into beer, so I, I formed a homebrew club. At the uh, at the company, it was a company called Rome R O L M, a uh, big hit in the early days of Silicon Valley, and we called ourselves the Worry Warts. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yes, I like it. Try the veal; it's uh, all night long. <laughs> uh, but then uh, decided to make the move in the mid eighties. Okay, so I'm wondering if you went through 29 years not really drinking, and you don't have to answer this question per se, but I'm wondering if you were any fun like before that. Like, did you ever get? <laughs> Did you ever get laid? Did you have a good time? Did you have friends? What did you do before you uh, got into that whole thing? Well, 
We can talk about part of it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but, but at least for fun, going to school in New York City, you can't beat going to school in New York City. There's yeah. just so much going on. New York City, great. And you don't, you don't have to drink alcohol. You don't, because there's enough to do there. It's like, yeah, the city that never sleeps and all that. Somebody, um, and we'll segue just a little bit here, uh, since we're talking about you, you actually starting drinking. Someone has already asked if you've ever drank so much that you threw up. Good question. I, <laughs> yeah. The answer is, uh, because I am drinking late to life, maybe it's by body chemistry, but I am a cheap drunk. Uh-huh. And it doesn't take a lot for me to lose it. <laughs> and, uh, there are two instances that come to mind right away. One is going to the Belgian dinner at the Toronado in San Francisco, which is going on today as we speak. Uh, went there a couple of years ago and made it through the whole dinner, the drive home, and when I got to the driveway, not even to the door, but <laughs> when I got to the driveway, I uh, had asked you for dinner. Yeah. That was it right there. And then once in Belgium, uh, I think I had at least 11 beers that were 9% alcohol or more. For some reason, that kept me up all night. Uh, and why was that? <laughs> I believe it. I'm not a pro like Sean. <laughs> he practices every day. So folks want to know how long you were a homebrewer for, though. Because uh, you So you started then shortly after you started, you found that you liked homebrew. Yeah, the, the whole thing about being an entrepreneur was kind of uh, a struggle, too. Um, I started homebrewing in 79. Okay. And then uh, one of my best friends kept bugging me in 1985, so six years later or so, he said, let's start our own company. And uh, at that point, the Silicon Valley company I worked for was purchased by IBM, so I was part of Big Blue. And I actually liked my job. And the thought of leaving Big Blue was so foreign to me. Yeah. Why would I want to start a company? But uh, he kept bugging me. So long story short, I homebrewed for actually seven years. And then okay. we started Pete's in uh, 1986. Okay. So you've been brewing for a while at that point. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I never thought about it when I went to Wine and the People, but it turns out President Carter in 1979 uh, legalized home brewing for the first time. So not that I was the first legal home brewer, but, but it was the same year. It was kind of cool to be start, start home brewing in that year. I had not put those two together. That's actually really awesome. You started home brewing the same year. I think the only one that has you beat is Charlie because he was doing it illegally for a few years before that. Well, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie's that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> you were very straight and narrow. But Char- Charlie, Charlie was a nuclear engineer. I was a space mechanics guy. <laughs> you guys were crazier. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, people uh, also want to know if you, if you homebrew now. Do you still, will you ever do a batch? Do I homebrew now? Well, uh, for people who don't know, uh, we sold our company in 1998 mm-hmm. to a company in Texas called Gambrinus. We're going to get I, into that. I yeah. spent two years with them, so I was kind of occupied full-time through two, the year 2000. So you did stay with the company for a little while, okay. Yes, All and right. then in 2000, I was a free man and went to Belgium five times in two years. Fantastic. And uh, discovered the world of chocolate and i kind of devoted from the year 2000 till now uh all my free time into the world of chocolate and for those who aren't here i made homemade chocolates for the yeah. gang in the rat pad <laughs> yes uh, pete he said it. i'm picking up the rat pad already. and if you want to come in to concord it's a long drive from the bay area but <laughs> but you're welcome to come here for homemade chocolate i didn't even get any yet i gotta try some i don't eat on the air i gotta wait till the break i just sound disgusting so um yeah. Uh, so you got so, and you started Coco Pete's. Sorry, Coco uh, Pete's Chocolate Adventures in uh, 2002, and uh, been working on chocolate since then. 
There's this whole thing on the Discovery Channel right now. They're about to air this program about the chocolate wars between Hershey and Mars. Yeah. Did you get bumped around by those guys at all? They're serious about their chocolate. Well, the corollary between beer and chocolate is amazing. When we got into the beer business in 1986, we did a little homework to find out what was going on. And and, uh, the beer business back in 1986 was about 50 billion dollars a year okay dominated by bud miller and coors who had 80 percent of the market yeah then there were imports and really no domestic specialties well when we looked at chocolate in the year 2002 it's a 15 billion dollar a year business dominated by hershey mars nestle who have 80 percent of the business okay the rest are imports and now that there's an opening for domestic specialty uh, so it's interesting how it's very the, similar. The dynamics of the market are such that uh, it, people, Americans, are now willing to try fuller flavored chocolate, which is great. Yeah, and you know, it, it actually, it's so amazing that we're trying fuller flavored everything. And it's part of the organic movement. It's part of the slow food movement. It's part of everything. I love that. Like, the rest of the world has had this culture on their palate for years and years. And how long has it taken us to get away from it? Yeah, it's finally, I mean, this past weekend at the, in San Francisco, the San Francisco Brewers Guild had an event with slow food. And I mean, we, we were pairing, uh, uh, the craft beer from San Francisco with, uh, local, uh, purveyors, uh, a local charcuterie. Um, yes. Fatted Calf was there as well as, uh, a couple cheesemakers and, uh, Hog Island was there with their uh, oysters and all that. It was just, uh, it was an interesting event because I go to beer. No, f- no chocolatiers? Cool. Uh, you know, there wasn't, Pete. We should have called you. <laughs> Where's Pete? He's probably out of town. Uh, <laughs> no, and it was it was an awesome event because uh, it was the first beer event that I ever went to where people asked a lot of questions about the beer, what went into it. And it was kind of an area of, you know, hoity-toity type thing. And yeah. it, was, it was great. Yeah. I, I just think, I think so it's I think you're right, Pete. I mean, there's, uh, you just, there's, people want more flavor. And well, so. you know, part of it is the big guys just dominate and control the market. We all know about Buttermiller and Coors and their adjuncts. But what I didn't realize was, in going through Belgium in 2000, 2001, why are Belgian chocolates in particular or European chocolates in general so much better than the crap we have here? And it turns out there are government regulations uh, that are different between the U.S. and Europe. For example, in the U.S., to call a chocolate milk chocolate, you only need 10% real stuff. So guess what? Hershey's used 10%. In Europe, the minimum is 25%. Okay. So it's two and a half times the amount of the real stuff. Yeah. And guess what? You get more flavor. Yeah, absolutely. So what's like the what's the not real stuff? I mean, if they're adding like rice and corn and adjuncts like that for the in big beer. breweries, what are they adding in chocolate that's not making it real? S U G A R. Ah. And what's that spell? Cars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So the fifteen Volkswagen. to twenty percent is a uh, cocoa. <laughs> the fifteen, the ten percent is pure chocolate. Okay, and like we use thirty five percent real chocolate in our milk, so mm-hmm. almost three and a half times the amount of Hershey's. In dark chocolate, the minimum is fifteen percent in the U.S. and in Europe, it's thirty five percent. So when you put more of the real stuff in, you get more flavor. So what wow. did you do for with, with your chocolates? How many? What was your percentage? Our milk was thirty five, and our dark was sixty one. Wow. Now these ones, the chocolates that you brought here, you made them at home, or you made them with with the people who make Cocoa Pete's? No, I made those at home. Did you really? Yeah, you know, guy. home brewer, home chocolate maker. It's awesome because it is it's something like something you would you would buy. I mean, I've never made chocolate at home. I actually have never known anybody to make chocolate at home. Yeah, but and Pete's these, got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> He's just hanging and, out. And these are amazing. 
He's just hanging out making chocolate. Well, I ran, Sean gave me a, a, a growler of double IPA, and when it ran out, I had nothing to do, so. <laughs> you like, honey, what do I do? Thought I'd make some chocolate. Make chocolate. Yeah, why not? Uh, folks want to know, you know, now that you're, now that you are drinking, Pete, uh, what beers do you drink? Uh, any notables that you, that you would mention? Boy, that list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Is that right? Uh, when I started home brewing, you know, one of the issues was I can't find a beer I like commercially, and I'm making exceptions. You could find an anchor. Back then, I actually, I feel really proud the, to the, uh, about the fact that I actually had New Albion. Okay. I, I was oh, a wow. purchaser of New Albion. Ah, great. And I remember going to Safeway and getting New Albion and, and trying the beer at home and thinking, this beer is so good. Yeah. But there's something wrong with it. There are floaters in it. Ah, yeah. I didn't realize it didn't filter it. So I went back to Safeway and I said, I need my money back because there's something <laughs> wrong with this beer. Yeah. They didn't know what to say. Uh, how great is beer education now that we know that stuff? We're like yeah. floaters. Sweet. Right. So in any, in any case, uh, I'm not a big drinker still, but what I like is uh, flavorful, strong beer. Okay. And best example would be Sean's uh, Strong Beer Month in February at the 21st Amendment. Mm-hmm. He had a beer that was a copy. He stole the intellectual property <laughs> from a Belgian brewer. He called it a double-triple, kind of taking the best of a double IPA with a Belgian triple. Okay. And it is a fabulous beer. But I love strong beer and sipping sipping beer like wine. Yeah. Get a nice Belgian glass, sniff the beer, sip it, and then get drunk a couple hours later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was the thing today with Pete, too, is that he wouldn't come to the studio unless we brought him to Schooners to try their award-winning barley wine. Yeah. So it, it, it does go with your, your big beer sipper theme, although we forced you to down it because we had to leave. <laughs> so you didn't get to sip. Kicking and screaming, man. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we have to get back to the show, and it's and then Craig opens up a 2002 bottle, and, what, what, yeah. and it was just like, all right, we got to go now. We're like, what, what are you talking about? I know. How could we leave? But that, that was point? that was kind of cool that they opened a bottle of 2002 barley wine, which they got the award from the Toronado yeah. Barley Wine Festival, and I was a judge in the finals That's, that year. I was going to wow. ask so you about it that. It was kind of great to uh, taste it again, and it yeah. has improved. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, see, good aging on the barley wines, if it's a good quality beer. And, and it was interesting, too. He had another beer that didn't age so well, and he didn't even want us to try that. So uh, it just all depends on the beer. You do a lot of judging, though. If people ask you to come out and do some tasting, you'll do that for If them. I'm available, I do a lot of traveling, but if I'm here, I, I love getting involved with uh, competitions. and Yeah. Kind of a beer guy. All right, I want to take a quick break, and, and then I want to talk about Pete's specifically with you. we got a little background here. I want to talk about you. Uh, you read the book. Job. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's been kicking my ass all day because he's got a book. And I didn't even know we had a book to like a week ago. I did. I was doing some searching. I did a little prep for Pete. Yeah. And I found that he had a book, and I didn't read the book. Pete's well, angry with me. I didn't read. Pete, the book. you got to put pictures in it if he wants. To, if he's going to look <laughs> at true. it, or even understand it, like colors, bright colors, and pictures, and maybe sounds, if you can do it. Yeah, any comics in the in your it, book? It was in Braille too, so you could you <laughs> big could font. Yeah. But wasn't it like a bestseller at like some elementary school or something? Um. <laughs> It was a kindergarten, actually. It was, yeah. No, it did very well for you. You What's it called? Beer for Pete's sake. It's pretty clever. Even I knew that. Yeah. Did you really? No. But I (laughs) want to make myself look better than you. And me look like a douche. Come on, guys. (laughs) Uh, Is it on Amazon? Can people get it? Yes, it's on Amazon. You can even get it on eBay used. (laughs) Is that right? I might have to do that. No, you got to get it new. (laughs) Pete doesn't get any money for used books. I'm, I'm upset you didn't bring me a signed copy. 
Pete. Next time. Next time. <laughs> I love the fact you next turn time, it Next time I'm driving to Nevada, I'll stop off and drop it off. <laughs> yeah. It's right over the hill there. Exactly. We'll be in Vegas any minute now. <laughs> Pete thought he was on his way to Tijuana. <laughs> he was walked in here and asked where the donkey was. Yeah. Said, what, oh, Pete, what a letdown. Come on, it's just a radio show, buddy. It's a dog. We're going to take a really quick break. We're here with Pete Slosberg of uh, Pete's Wicked Ales and Coco Pete's also. We're going to hear all about how he started those companies and how he got rid of them, too, because I think that's fun. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Gather round, ye lads and lasses, set ye for a while, and hearken to me mournful tale about the Emerald Isle. Let's all raise our glasses high to friends and family gone, and lift our voices in another Irish drinking song. Consumption took me mother and me father got the pox. Me brother drank the whiskey till he wound up in a box. Me other brother in the troubles met with his demise. Me sister has forever closed her smiling Irish. Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dry, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass out, wake up, and then we'll drink him once again. Kenny was killed in Kilkenny, and Claire, she died in Clare. Tip and tip, but Eddie died out in the den, yeah. Shannon jumped into the river, Shannon back in June. Ernie fell into the urn, and Tom was in the tomb. Cleanliness is godliness, me Uncle Pat would sing. He broke his neck, a slipping on the bar of Irish Bing. Oh, Grady, he was 80, though his bride was just a pup. He died upon the honeymoon when she got his Irish up. Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dry, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass out, wake up, and then we'll drink him once again. Joe Murphy fought with Riley near the cliffs of Ordenine. He took out his shillelagh and he stabbed him in the spleen. Where crazy Uncle Mike thought he was a leprechaun, but in fact he's just a leopard and his arms and legs are gone. When Timmy Johnson broke his neck, it was a crying shame. He wasn't really Irish, but he went to Notre Dame. McNamara crossed the street and by a bus was he. But he was just a Scotsman, so nobody gave a shit. Oh. Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light, then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink him once again. Uncle Brendan tried to drive him from the bar The road rose up to meet him when he fell out of his car Irony was what befell me great-grand-uncle Sam He choked upon the very last potato in the land Connor lived in Ulster Town, he used to smuggle arms Until the British killed him and cut off his lucky charms And dear old father Flanagan, who left the Lord's employ Drunk on sacramental wine beneath the altar boy Now everybody's died, so until our tears are dry We'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up and then we'll drink him once again Someday soon I'll leave this world of pain and toil and sin 
the Lord will take me by the hand to join all of me kids. Me only wish is when the Savior comes for me and you. He killed the cast of Riverdance and Michael Flatley too. Now everybody's died, so until the tears are dried, we'll drink and drink and drink and drink and then we'll drink some more. We'll dance and sing and fight until the early morning light. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. Then we'll throw up, pass up, wake up, and then we'll drink in once again. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to The Brewing Network. The Brewing Network, saving your life, one beer at a time. We are back, everybody. We're here with Pete Slothberg, the artist formerly known as Pete's Wicked Ale. I have a feeling that as the night goes on, I'm going to be doing Schlossberg quite a bit, as I announced the name. Schlossberg? Yeah. It's a, we had a lot of beer. We brought home a couple growlers from Schooners and uh, bought a six-pack of EJ Fair to drink. Who knows what's going to happen today. But uh, in Your the meantime... Your chocolates are making me high right now. The, the chocolate does get you high. It's I'm high right strong, now. Strong, yeah. Puppy, puppy, puppies. What was that? Poppies. Thank you. Thank you. 888-401-BEER is a number. Please feel free to call and ask any questions you want, or you can join JP in the chat room right there, and he'll pass your questions along to me like he's been doing all night. And I do have a bunch in front of me, Pete, so we'll have to get through to these. Um, I want to talk about uh, Pete's Wicked specifically, and uh, you mentioned it, you started it all... You. you in in eighty seven, you were getting 86. started in eighty six. Okay, that's when you were you were even kind of talking about it and planning it and everything in eighty six. And then we started talking in eighty five, and, and that story is kind of interesting in that I liked my job at IBM, and the thought of starting a company was so foreign to me that why would I want to do it? Yeah. But my friend keep kept uh, bugging me, and uh, we both have a sense of humor, and I thought it was great. He worked in Menlo Park. I worked in Santa Clara, two two towns in Silicon Valley, and yeah. we picked a midpoint to meet to talk and i just thought it was it was so great we met at the jew and the gentile deli which i I thought was great for a jew and a gentile to meet at the jew and the gentile yeah but i told my friend you know let's talk about the company not the product yeah and if it makes sense to do a company then we'll go beyond that so we met three or four times and and it was interesting uh after talking it through we came up with Three key objectives for whatever uh, a company that we were uh, considering starting. Okay, and the three were, uh, and the, these are all easy to say, but it's hard to execute on. The first was whatever we did, product or service, and who knew what it was going to be. We said uh, it had to be world class, gold medal winning, top shelf. It had to be something we were really going to be proud of, not some common commodity. And that's a great goal, but again, how do you do that? Uh, number two was we wanted to get in the ground floor of a new industry or a new segment of an industry. We wanted to get in where there was potential for the segment or the industry to to go up, and we could ride the wave up. As opposed to competing with... As 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 opposed to getting into a segment where there are 200 competitors already and okay. and uh, the segment isn't growing, you know, why get into that kind of uh, problem from day one? Okay. Uh, and third... 
but certainly not least was we we told ourselves we would treat the product or service with reverence but everything else with irreverence if we're going to do it let's have fun with this sucker beautiful let's not take ourselves seriously whatsoever yeah so once we got those three i thought to myself you know ibm was fun i had a good job was traveling around the world but if we could make a gold medal winning product or service get in the ground floor of a new segment that would grow and have some fun with it screw it let's let's try it Okay. And I like to think that my partner and I were smart guys, but there's no discounting of the fact that there is luck. You gotta have luck. Okay. And I'd much rather be lucky than smart. <laughs> so would I. And, uh, it turns out my friend, my partner, Mark, uh, Mark Bronder, great guy, still a good friend, uh, he's never had alcohol to this day. So it's kind of cool that the two founders no of kidding. Pete's Brewing Company, one doesn't drink at all to this day, and one didn't drink till they were 29. Now, when you say he's never had alcohol, he's not even sipped it, he's not tried it, he didn't decide, he didn't like it, he just he, never he, had it. He decided from a lifestyle perspective he'd never drink it. Really? He, and he went to Belgium with me on a trip, and two things happened. One, he loved smelling the Belgian beers. Okay. And the other was, if you're going to be in Belgium, you want Mark for a designated driver. Yeah, that's great. And it, it made traveling around Belgium so much easier. <laughs> I'll invite him next time I go. But uh, while we were while we came up with the concept of what the objectives would be for the company as a whole, yeah, I got some ribbons at a Cal State competition, uh, homebrew competition in, in Sacramento. Okay. So he said, "What the hell is a homebrew competition like?" So I described it to him. <laughs> And he said, it kind of triggered his, his thought process, and he said, aren't there small breweries like Anchor? And I said, yeah, and then up in Chico, there's Sierra Nevada. Again, this is 1985. Okay. And in my travels with IBM, I had been to Seattle and got exposed to Red Hook and been to Boston and saw Sam Adams and even in New York. Who, who recalls Newman's Amber Ale from Albany, New York? That was one of the first micros. Is that right? Yeah. I don't recall. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Uh, long since gone, I long assume? Long since gone. Okay. But I told him, yeah, these small companies are popping up. And he said, do people like this stuff? <laughs> and my reaction was, if you can find it, because it's it was very hard for the micros to get distribution. Yeah. But if you could find it, people would buy it. And in general, the people who would look for it liked it. And then you get word of mouth going. And you get the buzz first with the homebrew community and then with uh, foodies and then hopefully the general public. Yeah. So we thought, okay we wouldn't be the first microbrewery. In 1985, I don't know the number, but let's say there were about a dozen micros and brew pubs then. We thought if what was happening in the Bay Area, Seattle, and Boston had potential nationally, this could be our ground floor opportunity for growth. Yeah. Now, now, the beer business was flat, no growth, but we weren't competing against Bud Miller and Coors. We wanted to develop a full-flavored beer. Well, back then, a full-flavored beer. It's yeah. quite, quite different today. Sure. Um, so we thought, let's get in, and if we were to hop in, no pun intended. Hop. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I got that. But but do it with a sense good. of humor. But do it with a sense of humor. Like there was there was nothing wrong with Anchor beers or Sierra beers or Red Hook or, or Sam. But sure. everybody was taking themselves so, seriously. We thought we could differentiate ourselves by making a good beer, but have fun with it. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, if we make a beer, what do we call it? And uh, we liked what Ben and Jerry had done, two real guys behind an ice cream company. Mm-hmm. We're on the peninsula south of San Francisco, and Debbie Field started Mrs. Field's Cookies from Palo Alto, our area. Real person behind the, the product. So we thought we'd call it Pete and Mark's Brewing Company or Mark and Pete's Brewing Company. Yeah. Then at the last minute when we had to do the trademark stuff, Mark said, look, I don't drink. Pete, you're the brewer. Let's just call it Pete's. So I said... 
twist my arm. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I think he's regretted that to this day. Why does he regret that? Well, he's a single guy and at a lot of beer festivals. And even at uh, the brew pubs today, you saw the women come up. I saw yes. that. And uh, I'm married, happily married, and Mark yeah. isn't. And he was a little frustrated. <laughs> that And he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that. Yeah. So does he kind of say, like, hey, hey, over here, I, I also helped with the – I'm the partner. I'm co-founder. I'm co-founder. But it didn't, didn't work with the ladies. <laughs> if your name's not on the bottle, big boy, don't we don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but then we thought, besides – personalizing it and having a real name and a real person yeah we had to have a name that would get people's attention show that we had a sense of humor little attitude and we did the old mba thing go to a whiteboard list all these adjectives to describe the beer i mean wicked ale was a brown ale so we could have called it pete's ale or pete's brown ale but they're so boring so uh we couldn't get an adjective for it but we heard back in the mid 80s there was a uh, San Francisco comedian Alex Bennett who had a drive time radio show yeah and he would have visiting comics who would do routines at night come on his show during the day and do bits and uh, Bob the Bobcat Golthwaite yeah was on one day and yelled and screamed wicked this wicked that and we said home run that's, that's our name. it <laughs> and i got to tell you using the name wicked back then was so different it was such a hook for people to at least look at the bottle. Yeah. But, you know, when you're going down on a beer shelf with 200 beers, why would anybody look at your beer in particular? Well, you need a hook. Yeah. And uh, Wicked Wicked was that hook. And, it's a great uh, hook. So you, now, uh, and I'm going to say this is kind of backwards, but only, only based on the status quo, because what you've told me right here actually sounds the way it should be done you had uh the idea the structure of the business exactly what you wanted out of a company before you had a product and even a name of the product before you had a product so that you knew you could you know you really could sell this stuff before you ever had even the beer and we we knew that okay what's the beer business well the beer business on one hand is brewing a great beer yeah but that's not the business Okay. And, you know, a lot of people think if you brew it, they will come. Well, guess what? They don't. <laughs> okay. The beer business is a three-tier system where a brewer has to sell it to a distributor who has to sell it to a retailer and ultimately to the consumer. So without knowing anything about the beer business, we knew that we had to go through a wholesaler. And why would a wholesaler give a startup any mind share? Yeah. Why would they put any support behind it? Because whatever they sold of our beer wouldn't pay their rent. It would be Bud Miller or Coors or some import. So part of our strategizing up front, even before we had the first beer, was to say when we had some money, and we didn't have any money in the beginning, uh, we were joking in the car. Uh, I asked Sean how much money it took to start 21st Amendment, and he said $10 million or something. <laughs> some, some ridiculous some number. Some ridiculous number. Yeah. And it, turned, and it turned out we started. Twice bankrupt. We started Pete's for fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> we got amazing. fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Now that didn't take us very far, but it got us two hundred cases yeah. of bottled beer that we got into a bunch of stores on the peninsula and got feedback from people, from wholesalers, from retailers, and from consumers, and that gave us the confidence to raise more money and, and go out and do more. But even before we did all that, we kind of structured our thinking around what we want to be when we grow up and we had these long discussions at the jew and the gentile and it was great <laughs> it is great we 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 told ourselves if we're going to do this we want to be in the top three of this category as quickly as possible because okay. we believe that as craft beers became more uh available 
uh, there could be hundreds. Little did we realize there are now 1,500 uh, micros and brew pubs in the country. But we knew there would be more and more, and we needed to differentiate ourselves and get to the lead of the pack as quickly as possible. Sure. So we decided to invest all of our money in sales and marketing and not in the brewery. We were a contract brewer from day one. Never had a brewery. Never had a brewery. Didn't believe in it. Uh, we believed that we could have high-quality beer from another manufacturer. Now, <laughs> sometimes yes, sometimes no, but uh, sure. But ultimately, we could control our destiny without owning brick and mortar. And let me, I just want to focus on that for a second because uh, especially when you get into craft beer guys and guys who they want their stuff handmade, they want their good beer, I want to talk about was the quality of the beer, uh, uh, you did mention it, you said we, we, we want to give reverence to our product. Um, how important was the quality, you didn't have a brewery, so you weren't brewing it yourself, but how important was the quality of the beer to you? Because The, the quality was supreme importance. But what most people don't understand is by using a contractor partner brewery. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, think about it. If you're going to start a brewery from day one, how much money do you have to develop a QA or QC lab with all the equipment? None. And the answer is none. Yeah. By having a partner brewery that's existing in business, having a QA lab, we actually had better quality and personal opinion but i think it's it can be proven yeah we had better, better quality beer than most micros sure because we had better quality control at the bigger partner brewery than a lot of the small micros and certainly than you could afford on fifteen thousand dollars i mean you were you were going to brew it but home. even even uh sean's uh ten million dollar or twenty million dollar <laughs> investment <laughs> yeah but the fact is it's expensive to have a quality lab okay and we could take advantage of partner breweries labs without all that investment yeah does anybody do that now? Start a brewery and never own a brewery? Uh, do you see what I mean? Do you know of any other companies? Who, and, and, and I well, guess Sam, if you don't want to call them out, but uh, who? Sam Adams got started that way. They didn't have a brewery. Really? They only recently bought a brewery. And uh, within the last probably like five, ten years, ten they, years. They acquired Huda Paul Schulling in, in Cincinnati maybe ten years ago yeah. for part of their production, but they still use others for uh, contract manufacturing, but so the first Boston Lager that was on the shelf was also partner brewed. That was yeah. from Pittsburgh Brewing. Yeah, because when you really look at it, I mean, it's so funny. Uh, our little world, uh, we think of oh, you don't own your kettles and you're not doing it right. But if you look at it from a standpoint of there are these breweries out there, these tanks that are sitting there, and they're you're, uh, they're being underutilized. Yeah. Why not go in there? Why not find somebody that you can go in with, give them your recipe, brew with them? Sure. And 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 you're essentially renting the equipment. Well, to, and, to, and did you do that? Did well, you brew with them? Yes. You did? Yes, I did. Uh, I went out there, and then ultimately we hired our own brewmaster, a Vine Stefan uh, trained guy. Uh, we uh. wanted to control our destiny without owning, but we had our own people, our own operations people living at the brewery. Uh, wasn't Dan Gordon, was it? Uh, no, it was Pat Guteau, who actually graduated f- before Dan, but Dan likes to say he was the first. Yeah. In fact, I think he says he's like the only or something. There was Pat, another Pat guy? Guteau graduated I, before before Dan did. I'm I call, killed them all. I'm calling Dan. <laughs> yeah. Call him right now. I'm called hey, Dan, Dan, guess what? Dan, Pete says that you're lying. Dan's, Dan's a good guy. He's Dan's a, good a great guy. guy. And then hang up with him. We love Dan. <laughs> but beer is marketing. you got to market the yeah. company and, and yourself. Okay, so you had a wine stuff on... Uh, Brewer, though. Yeah, ultimately. That's yeah. great. I mean, I was just a home brewer, a little, you know, what you got to do as a small company is, w- with limited funding, is uh, you can't do everything. Um, 
our brewing partners in the beginning were smaller companies, tend to be smaller, without all the uh, processes in place. And we actually had some quality problems at one of our early manufacturing partners. But we didn't you got to make decisions very quickly, even if, if it costs money. It was great. We had uh, some sour beer out of one batch. I yeah. didn't know how to solve it as a home brewer. So what did I do? I called UC Davis. I called Michael Lewis up, and I said, you don't know me. I have a little company in the Bay Area. Can we work with you or your grad students to solve our quality problems? And Michael assigned uh, Jean-Xavier Guinard, who uh, now, <laughs> now teaches out at UC Davis. He was a grad student, and... John Xavier and I went to the brewery, and and he solved the problem for the brewer. Wow! And and the point I'm trying to make is, you can't wait to solve problems. You got to get right on it. But number two, as a contract manufacturing partner, we wanted to add value. So the brewer had his own problems, and he couldn't solve it. Uh, so by our investing in a grad student going out, we solved their problem for them as well as the problem for us. Yeah, absolutely. See, I think that that's fascinating, and not just in the way that you went about the business and the way that you started it, but but the whole structure you know that you set up. Now, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. So now you have this. Uh, now you've got you, you know a place that's going to brew the beer for you. You've got the name. You've got the brand. You've set everything out up. And uh, you had said a little while ago that you decided to spend all the money uh, that you didn't spend on a brewery. On, on direct sales. So what does that mean for you? What did you, what was your plan now well, that you be, got because it? Because you have the three tier system, a brewer has to sell to a distributor who has to sell it to a retailer. A lot of brewers think their beer is the best on earth, which in many cases it is, but in many cases it's not. The fact is the wholesaler and the wholesaler sales force sells a portfolio of beer. Sure. So why would a salesman for a wholesaler sell your beer? Versus a Bud Miller or Coors, which is, you know, the amount of volume they're getting pays the rent for the wholesaler where a startup, whatever they sell, it's, it's minuscule what they get. Yeah. Uh, Good point. So if you depend on the wholesaler, you're putting your life out of your control. So we said when we grow up, we want to be a direct sales force company that'll help us become in the top three as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And by having your own salesperson in every geography, ultimately, uh, uh, we sold our company in 98. Uh, we had gotten to be a $70 million a year business. Wow. 130 employees. In, in what and, year, sorry, by that time? How long had you been in business in that time? Uh, we started late 86, and we got to $70 million in 96, 10 years. Fantastic. That's amazing. That is, that is really amazing. Okay. Uh but by having your own salespeople, and, and ultimately when we sold the company, we had 130 employees. Okay. And 85 of the 130 were direct salespeople. Okay. And so just like, all over the country kind of a thing? Like just really getting yeah, them out there everywhere? We, we, would, we limited our expansion. Okay. We got calls all the time. We want Wicked Ale in our state, our city, whatever. Yeah. And we actually said no. Our belief is we wouldn't expand until we could afford... A person to live in the new geography because if you ship it without any support in that geography, yeah, the beer may work, it may not work, but generally it doesn't work unless you have your own person pushing, pushing the wholesaler, pushing the retailer. Wow! So uh, in the early days when we ran out of money, we actually shipped the beer to, to Colorado because we ran out of money. Even though we only started with fifteen grand, and we ran out of money five times. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've well, well, it's. It's interesting because uh, you really are kind of with the with what's in the uh, distributor's portfolio. You really are just looking at them as trucks uh, that just happen to be delivering the beer. Yeah, we, we believe the distributor 
was a delivery mechanism. If they did any more than that, that was gravy. Yeah. But we didn't depend on it. So uh, when you go in with that attitude that you try to co- control your own destiny, if they only deliver, then it's mission accomplished. Yes. If they do anything more, hallelujah. Yeah. So uh, that was our, our theme. Okay. And that's really kind of what happens, I think, with a lot of micros out there uh, that are uh, retailing their beers is that they just think that, okay, we'll make it, and then somebody's going to take care of it. And nobody really thinks, not a lot of people think about, like, well, what's going to happen once it gets to market? And you guys really had the... Uh, the forethought to uh, be proactive and sell the beer to the market on your own. The key thing, I think, was having a, a, a brown ale in the early days was pretty different. Having a name that was completely different. Now, I mean, now you got roadkill beer and all these strange names, but, you know, back in the 80s, w- Wicked was, was pretty unique. Yeah. And then the whole attitude towards a direct sales force and controlling your destiny was very important. But we then took a step further and... And believe that, uh, I was relating to the guys over lunch earlier. Uh, my role in the company was to be the outside guy, the, um, spokes model, spokesperson. The sure. face. I like, I like to think of a spokes model. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> see how you would appreciate that. He's hot, by the way, guys. <laughs> Thank God this is voice only. I'm the, I'm the face man of the beer. Place. But I, I didn't know what a spokesperson is supposed to do. So I would just go out and uh, talk to wholesalers and retailers and all that thing. But what I found, it was very interesting. We have advanced degrees, but you don't learn this stuff in school. I found that when I went into bars and restaurants and asked to say thank you for carrying Wicked Ale, I would go in blind and unannounced and just just go with the flow with the server. And the server, you know, Sean, what does the server say to you when you sit down? What would you like to drink? What would you like to drink? And I thought, damn, I can't wait for them to say they have Pete's Wicked Ale. So I would say, (laughs) I'd like a beer. What do you got? And the server would say, we got Bud, Bud Light, Miller, Miller Light, Coors, Coors Light. And I think to myself, why the fuck am I here if they don't have Wicked Ale? I'm yeah. supposed to be saying thanks. So uh, I would, I like having fun with people, so I would say, uh, don't you have anything with color, taste, or aroma? <laughs> nice. And they'd, they'd giggle, and then they'd say, uh, yeah, we got Pete's Wicked, Sam Adams, Sierra. So then I'd say, if you had them, why don't you bring them up in the initial listing? And... Uh, to a person all around the country, it didn't matter north, south, east, or west. They all said the same thing. And this is one of those eureka moments for an entrepreneur where you don't think about it and suddenly dawns on you that you got to address a problem. And the servers would say, look, we depend on tips. If we look stupid in front of you, we won't get a tip. If you asked, if we said we had Pete's Wicked Ale and you said you never heard of it, we had no training to describe it. So we'd look stupid just uh, saying we don't know how to describe Pete's Wicked Ale. So they wouldn't even mention it. So my thought was, God, we go through all these problems of starting a company, creating a product, getting a distributor, getting a retailer, and the ultimate salesperson, the server or bartender, won't mention it. There's something completely wrong. <laughs> so as part of differentiation, differentiating, I took, I took it on as a challenge to figure out, is there a way to educate servers, bartenders, even consumers? How do you make a person beer knowledgeable about craft beer. Yeah. And when I talked to owners of restaurants and bars, they said, you can do it, we support it, but you have to do it in under 10 minutes because we're paying people. So the challenge was, how do you make something so simple people can understand craft beer and explain it in under 10 minutes? And and what year is this? I want perspective for everybody. So about they, 91. Okay. So 
if you if you consider the the first real big craft beer boon didn't happen until even four years after that fact. Education is so key at this point. Especially so. with those people that are your sort of your foot soldiers, as uh, the servers out there, right. and you know now you would you wouldn't think anything of it, but yeah. uh, back then it was like, yeah. what is this stuff? And so. what an excellent point! Uh, you're like I'm, I am wasting my time if these people can't explain what my, my what my product is. Right. All right. So what did you do for the ten minute rule? Well, it took took uh, months, but I woke up in the middle of the night in a sweat and had this brainstorm. Went to the computer and roughed out a chart. So I created a beer chart. Uh, that literally, uh, I've done it in a chart of six minutes. I can make people beer experts in under ten minutes. I'm looking at the chart, by the way. And what was great about this chart was, uh, number one, we could use it to educate our sales force. I mean, who better to educate about beer than your foot soldiers out in the market? Uh, we educated wholesaler sales forces, and i got to tell you, I did hundreds of these around the country. Um, matter of fact, uh, two months ago, my wife and I went to Singapore to uh, stay with Fal Allen, who's opening a brewery in Singapore. And we were just reminiscing about, you know, the beer market, you know, 10 years ago. And he kept shaking his head. He, he was uh, general manager of Anderson Valley Brewing. And he said, I'd be out in the market a month after you were there. And all the people could talk about was your your education chart. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we educated our sales force, the wholesaler, the retailers, the servers, bartenders, and ultimately consumers. And what was great was it was a branded piece of point-of-sale material, and a lot of stores wouldn't put in companies' POS material. But because it was, we represented every beer out there, or most yeah. beers out there, uh, they, they put it up. And it was a great way to differentiate at all levels from an education perspective. And, and i got to tell you, um, a lot of, of our uh, retailers, when you're trying to compete against other breweries, um, when we offered the education, they, that was a key differentiator. Oh, I bet. And we also customized the chart uh, where we, we put kind of uh, major styles of beer on the, on the chart, key <clears throat> beers that are out there in each of the individual styles. But we offered to retailers to customize it. And without looking at the chart, because this is voice only, uh, it's an XY grid because I'm an engineer, you know, I'm a rocket scientist. Yeah. <laughs> and Bud Miller, Bud Miller and Coors are in the middle of the chart, and the chart shows colors of beer going from golden to amber to brown to black, and uh, a sweetness direction and a bitterness direction, and overlaying all these styles and beers. So for, great. so for customers, we would customize the chart to the beers they sold, and and the retailers were great. They said, "Yeah, we want to do this. We want to do a placemat so our customers can understand the beers we sell." Yeah. And the first one we did it for was a chain of restaurants in in Minnesota. We customized the chart for them, laminated it, sent it out, and we never heard from them for oh, I don't know a month. So I called them up and I said, "What's the deal? We spent a lot of time and money to support your project." What's going on? And they said, well, we liked what you did, but we're embarrassed. You know what happened? They had 40 beers, and all the beers were the Bud Miller Coors Ilk right in the middle of the chart, <laughs> and they were embarrassed to show oh. the chart because they weren't offering their customers a wide variety of beer. Yeah. Yeah, there were different names on the beer, but they were all light loggers. So they felt like you've done this great piece of work and we're not meeting up to the piece of work that you did. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. I'm looking at the chart now and I'm thinking that even today, 
it, it is really a, a great uh, you know piece of work so that people can help uh, you know further the explanation. Yeah, there are, of there what are the two or three chapters are. in my book on this. It's amazing. If, uh, if anyone, only you read. Yeah. If I had gone down to JoJo's used bookstore and found it on the discounts table before the show, books on tape. Dude. But but the the point is, it's not it's not education per se. We use yeah. that as a differentiator. But if you're going to start a business, no matter whether it's beer or anything else, yeah, you have to have a unique calling for what you're doing. Yeah, because there are going to be other competitors out there, and you always want to say, here's who we are not that we're better yeah here's who we are and why we're different and why you might want to try this see and i just think that like it was a selling point for you then uh you know at that point it was tough to get your beer into places because it was a different beer now it's tough because tap handle real estate is expensive and there's a lot of good beers out there and i still think it would be a selling point for a company to go in and say not only should you put my beer on tap but here's my education plan well you ultimately know. you have to have a good sales force and yeah. we, we were fortunate we have great people with low turnover but we wanted to make our own sales force feel that they were beer bear experts yeah so when we hired somebody i sent them uh a michael jackson book a couple other beer books and their first day in the office there was a beer test good man and the purpose of the test wasn't for them to you know pass or fail because it was open book but i wanted to give every employee including the salespeople the background material that they can have on their own shelf yeah and know where to look up answers yeah and then every year we had company meetings which was expensive to bring everybody in but we always had more beer education and ultimately the the really fun thing we finally did before we sold the company was we got homebrew kits for every employee from receptionist to ceo and i uh, gave him a homebrew recipe for wicked ale that's great and at that point we had seven sales regions plus a corporate office so we had eight entities and we gave a 500 hundred dollar check for the best beer in each of the eight Entities. <laughs> then the eight finalists, uh, the winner of the eight finalists got to go to, you know, trip for two to Munich to Oktoberfest. So we tried to make it interesting and, uh, uh, satisfying for our employees that beer education is okay. You can actually gain from it. Yeah. All right. I got to go to the phones. We got a caller. Um, but I want to know, and, uh, I'll put you on the spot here just a little bit. Uh, listeners, of course, want to see this chart. Shall I direct them to your book, or am I allowed to post this uh, somewhere so that they can look at it? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, we sold the intellectual property rights to Gambrinus, the company uh, that bought the company. You did, okay. Um, Is it in your book, though? It's in the book. Okay, so we can just tell people to look for the, for your book, and they could get it there, because otherwise it, Gambrinus owns it. Uh, if I didn't, I didn't send it to you. Right, so if I just happen to stumble across it. If they happen to Google it for Pete's Wicked Ale... Beer chart, chart knowledge. I, thing. I have found this chart uh, customized differently all around the world. Ah, I see. People have have glommed onto it and customized it for their own. Well, purposes. Believe me, I'm taking notes right now. On so this if one. I like spray paint my name across it, it becomes a different chart altogether. JP, do I work with Gambrinus at all? Or do they, you work? Uh, let me think. Uh, or is that time in the seventies? Just wonder if I shouldn't offend anybody that I might have to work with. I don't know. Do you work with Gambrinus? How about this? Why don't you guys just go uh, look for Pete's book, and uh, yeah. you could probably find it there. And if there's some sort of huge uproar, then maybe it will surface somewhere on some obscure Turkish website. You guys know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, we've got that guy who wrote in earlier who just got out of Iraq, and he's uh, traveling around Japan right now. He's on the line with us right wow. now. So let's find out what's happening. Hey, brother, how are you, man? Hey, Justin, how you doing? I'm doing great. Are you calling us from Japan or what? 
I'm in Japan right now, yep. Who we talk to? What's the name? Give everybody a name. Uh, my name's Mark. Mark, all right. And you just got out of Iraq, huh? Yeah, I got back home. I'll get back in Japan on March 16th and stuff. So. I'm glad you did that, man. It's good to hear. I know we had uh, spoken to you uh, through emails before, so I'm happy to hear that you're safe and alive and right. uh, going out to find some good beer, man. So what's right. the deal? Yeah, you're just going to uh, take a road I st- trip? I started my leave uh, today. Okay. Uh, it's Monday morning here in Japan, about uh, 10:55. But uh, I'm just gonna, I'm going to be taking uh, about 30 days of uh, leave, and uh, I'm just going to be driving around Japan looking for uh, some good microbreweries or some uh, good uh, craft beer. I think that's cool, man. Yeah. Are you doing it by yourself? No, I'm going to take, uh, I got a little bit of baggage with me. I got a wife and a kid and stuff. <laughs> baggage. <laughs> so I'm going to check them at the hotel and yeah, then go out yeah. on my own. Put them well, they're, they're going to go to Tokyo Disneyland, and I'm just I'm just going to get on the subway and, and find some beer and stuff. So. You're going to do Disneyland when they go to Tokyo <laughs> Disneyland. I hear yeah, you. All those, exactly. uh, all those cafes with the mirrored floors. Yeah. All the waitresses wear big <laughs> skirts and no panties. That's right. Yeah, What's they that? call them health clubs over here. Health clubs, not. Nice. <laughs> What's the deal? You have to be stationed there for a little while or something? Is that why you didn't come home and you're in Japan? Yeah, I was uh, I was stationed in Concord, and I actually uh, got my start in homebrewing from uh, B3. Nice. I went to one Doze meeting. Uh, I used to uh, hang out with a guy named CJ. I don't know if you brewed beer with him and stuff. He was also stationed up there in Concord. Okay. Never brewed with him, but I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I just, uh, yeah, I got here in May of 2005, and uh, they don't have very good beer over here, so I'm just trying to use the TBN to uh, locate some uh, good beer over here in Japan. All right, well, here's what we did. We I read your email at the beginning of the show. I don't know if you were tuned in, um, but I put it out there so that people are going to create a thread on the beer radio f- uh, part of our forum uh, in case anybody good knows deal. a place. Um, but we gave out a website that you should look at. What's the website again? Well, it's uh, Brian Harrell, who, uh, who uh, lives in Japan and uh, does a a beer uh, newsletter, actually, email newsletter, uh, lists uh, places to go and events in Japan. But also, Pete mentioned that uh, he also writes for the Celebrator uh, Beer Magazine, so you may want to email them. Uh, but I also think that if you just do a search for Br- uh, Brian Harrell, which I think is uh, B-R-Y-A-N-H-A-R-R-E-L-L. H-E-R. Uh, H-E-R-R. What is it? <laughs> Anyway, you just so, do a Google search for beer in Japan. I'm yeah. pretty sure it'd be all right. Uh, you got to find Brian Harrell, and I'll tell you what: I got to talk to Tom from Celebrator this week anyway. So uh, okay. if I find that information uh, from him, I'll email it out to you because I want you to find some good stuff around there, man. And I'll look for one of Brian Harrell's old uh, emails uh, for his. Uh, his, that he sends out, and I'll post it on the on the site. Actually, cool. So now you said you're starting in Hiroshima. Yeah, I'm actually located on uh, Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni, which is about uh, 20 miles uh, southwest of uh, the city of Hiroshima. So, is that safe? Are you? Can you be there nowadays? Like, did that stuff go away or what? I'm worried about your yeah, children the, growing extra nuts. The yield from that uh, that uh, nuclear weapon was pretty low compared to what they have today. So there, there's no uh, residual radiation left here. All right, but don't drink the beer there. Like, wait till you get out of there to drink the beer. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. You know? Are you going to go to the Mr. Miyagi shrine? Is there a Miyagi shrine? I don't know. <laughs> there should be. Yeah, there should be. He was in Okinawa, though, so. <laughs> yeah, man, I think it's a great trip you're doing, so I wish you luck out there. I'm glad you made it back. And then when you're done, uh, you got to stick around there or you headed back to Concord? 
No, actually, I'm I'm gonna be here until uh, uh, 2010. No kidding, you got to stay there until 2010. Yeah. Hey, oh. Japan. That's not I bad. probably have to go back to Iraq a couple more times. Oh, and that's stuff, you know. Ah oh, man, how is it over there? Are you guys having a tough time? What do you do when you're there in Iraq? What's your uh, job? Well, I'm a mechanic by trade, but you know, basically every Marine's a, a rifleman, so. You know, you have to go out. I went on about 18 convoys and stuff and saw some uh, some nasty shit, but, you know, so I if got you... back here, and uh, now I just got to find some good beer to get over with it. Yeah, what, 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 gotta... what kind of beer do you have over there when you're in Iraq? Is there anything that they, that the, they ship no, actually, over for you? No, because it's a, it's a Muslim country and it's a combat area, they don't... Nothing. Yeah, we were allowed to have two beers on uh, the Marine Corps birthday, which is uh, November 10th, and uh, I had... Uh, they had this macro beer and stuff, so, so I, I had some Heinekens and two Heinekens and stuff. But They were the best beer that, you ever had, though, right? Like, at that time, you were like, oh, this yeah. is awesome. I just shotgunned them and stuff. I could, <laughs> probably would have made uh, Drunk of the Week and stuff. And stuff. <laughs> Let me yeah. ask you this. Were they out of a can? <laughs> they were all in a can. Right? Excellent. <laughs> ah, Sean. But I homebrew over beef. here. I mean, I'm drinking porter and cider right now. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. That I made when I got back. So you got a good place where you could brew. I listened to the show brew. with uh, that you guys had Vince and Stern on it, and I decided to try to make some cider and stuff. So. Oh, that's good stuff. And your wife, she likes the cider, right? Uh, no, she she likes the Japanese. My wife's Japanese, so that's probably one of the reasons why I'm staying over here so long. Oh, okay. So. Well, that's not so bad. You didn't say that. I like how he put it, though. That's probably the reason why yeah. I'm staying here so long. Like, I haven't really found that out yet. Yeah, that's we'll not see. bad at yeah. all. All right. Oh, look no, at you. you sli- what, did you meet her when you first got stationed there? Right. I, w- I was the first time yeah. I was here was in 1993, and uh, I met her. Okay. Uh, it was kind of a, an arrangement, and... Uh, and then we just got together and we started, you know, having a good time. And, and you know, 14 years later. 14? Wait a second. What do you mean she was an arrangement? What does that mean? Like here, here's an oh, I had, I had friends that were here already and stuff. So, uh, you know, they just introduced me to her and It stuff. was a blind and date and they fell in love. I see. Well, that sounds yeah. a lot better than an arrangement. Keeping that uh, USO <laughs> tradition alive, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. I'm glad to hear you. Well, I t- I'm bummed to hear you got to go back. Yeah, that I'm, sucks. I'm glad that you're there and brewing some beer and drinking good stuff now. There you go. Uh, give us a Rat Pad from uh, Japan right now. What's that? Just See? give us a Rat Pad shout out. Just say Rat Pad. Make my day. Rat Pad. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you did it because you don't even know what it yeah. is. Yeah, I bet he knows no yeah, pants. I have no idea. See, How do you say no Rat Pad in Japanese? That's the question. <laughs> you don't. That's oh. out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you just don't say it. <laughs> All right, well, oh, you're joke. talking about your, your house and stuff. Yeah, there you yeah. go. There you go. You there got it. man who knows the shit. That's what Sully yeah. says. Well, I've been... That's, you guys kept me alive in Iraq. I had to download the... I couldn't listen to the live shows, but I download... I probably listened to about 80% of the archives and stuff. So. What do you got, an iPod out there? No, I actually just downloaded them directly to my computer and, you know, just... You listen Went in to early, them. like about three o'clock in the morning, just listen to him and stuff. So, see, I like that. Yeah. That's cool, man. I'm glad that we helped out. Well, now that you've listened to all the lunch meet, you should go back and listen to all the Sunday shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't, I only listen to the Sunday shows. Oh, yeah, listen yeah, to yeah, the yeah. crap oh. meet we do. Go on hey, your trip. Let me ask you. So, when you guys are out on the convoy, uh, you're a mechanic. So, when stuff like they take you in, in case stuff breaks down when you're on your way, right? You got to get out right there and fix it. Yeah, I'll ride shotgun in a recovery vehicle, so if anything breaks down, if anything gets hit by a, an IED or something like that, we just pull right up, we hook up to it, and we drag it away and stuff. So. Oh, man. 
That's intense. Let's toast him. We're yeah. in the toasting mood here. Yeah, we're going to give you a big cheers, man. <laughs> I thank you for doing what you do. Cheers, uh, here, here. You know, cheers to you. And Drink your, good and beer and stay there. alive. Sure, I'll do my best. So what do you got? You got a homebrew porter you're drinking right now? Is that what you said? Yeah, I did from B3. Very nice. What? How did you get that? You ordered it and they delivered it out there? Those dicks. <laughs> yeah, because I got an FPOAP address, so, you yep. know, my Free shipping. zip code is 963210, so I basically pay, you know, a, you know, a small shipping and handling fee, and they, they bring it right to my place. That's stuff. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great, man. Yeah, because like if, if I buy it from the local... Like a bag of grain, like a you know a, a sack of grain will cost like a hundred bucks over here. But I just buy everything from B three because it's you know takes about ten days to get here. But I can't you know the expense uh, from yeah. buying locally is just is just uh, prohibited. And stuff, yeah, so. you know you can start a new business over there actually. Yes, yeah, seriously, you got to order in <laughs> bulk from yeah. B3. There's a, there's craft brewers over there in that country. <laughs> We're probably paying a lot of money. Yep. And you could do a little military side project. Here. You know what I'm saying, my friend? <laughs> <A little> military <laughs> side project. <laughs> Yeah. So do you do you do you brew with CJ and Jay out there? He's on the forum. No, he was no. He's that guy's in Concord. That's what he's saying. That no, but there's a there's a guy on the forum, a big home. Yeah, brew and he out said he used Japan. to brew with him. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he already, sorry, he did that. JP, would you pay attention to the show? I was smelling my finger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, have a good trip out there, and uh, go All check right. the forum because we're going to do a post for you. And I'll shoot you an email back. I got your email. So uh, if I talk to the guy from Celebrator and get the dude's uh, information who posts all about Japanese beer, I'll send it to you. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot. No problem. It's good to hear from you. I'm glad you're safe. Okay, thank you. All right, man. Cheers. Out. Right, yeah, cheers. Bye. Japan, out. Good dude. What, one of my favorite stories. You got, do I have time for a story? You do. Hey, Go for it. Uh, I was we're still working for IBM and uh, had an eight-day visit to IBM Japan, including a weekend. So I asked the guys in the office, I'd like to go to a brewery for a tour. Where do I go? And they said, uh, there's a Kirin brewery in Yokohama, the suburb of Tokyo. So uh, I said, great. Uh, when can I go? And they said, well, there's a 3 o'clock tour on Saturday afternoon. But you have to change trains from Tokyo three times. So I was with a friend, and uh, we we were told, you know, there's no no signage in English, so you might want to allow some extra time. So we allowed two extra hours to get there. And the funny thing was we got there without any problems, but two hours early. Yeah. We got there at 1. So we go to the guard shack at Kirin, and we say in English, we're here for the 3 o'clock tour, and it's <laughs> 1 o'clock. And we get these bewildered eyes looking at us. And they get on the phone, and uh, all of a sudden they put a phone up uh, for us to talk to, and it's a woman with some some English. And we said, you know, we we apologize. We're here two hours early. We just want to know where to wait for the three o'clock tour. And she said, no, 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 I don't want to keep you waiting. And we looked up a couple hundred yards away. A, the door of a building opens up, and this woman in heels comes running out down to the guard shack. Out of breath, she says, I apologize for keeping you waiting. And we said, no apologies necessary. We just want to know where to wait for the tour in two hours. And she said, come with me. And she takes us into the building, and she says, look at this video. It was a videotape of the brewing process. Wait here. I hope this has a happy ending at the end, if you know what I mean. Well, this is amazing, because the analog will be quite surprising. Uh, so we're watching the videotape, and she runs off, literally runs off in heels. A couple minutes later, she comes running back with a guy in a hard hat. And she introduces him. He's a engineering supervisor from the assembly line in the brewery. 
And he apologizes for keeping us waiting. And we said, no apologies necessary. We just want to know what to do before the 3 o'clock tour. Yeah. And he said, come with me. And he gives us a personal tour of the brewery. No kidding. And uh, In Japanese. No, he, he spoke English. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, we go on a tour, and uh, at the end of the day, I look at my friend and and we said, can you imagine if two non-English-speaking Japanese guys come to a, a big brewery in St. Louis and say they're two hours early? Yeah. What, what, what would happen to them? Exactly. So uh, that was amazing that they were so courteous to give us a private tour by being early. It really right. is. And, and to apologize. I mean, we would have had to apologize for showing up early out, out here, right? Yeah, you go uh, piss off, go do something else for a couple of hours. That's a cool, that's very gracious. You, you know? know, I had I had a similar story. I was in Japan a couple of years ago, and uh, I went to the Sapporo uh, Brewery headquarters in, in uh, Tokyo, and uh, they have like a whole like uh, museum there and a brewery tour. Although there's no brewery there, they kind of walk you through the process. They have sort of a faux brewery there. And... Uh, <laughs> So I went to the to to downstairs to the receptionist, and same thing happened. I told these women that I was an American brewer. Is there any way that I could maybe possibly see this thing? You know, I'm Sean O'Sullivan. Don't you know who? I, you know that type of thing. Without Don't being you know that who way, who I am? <laughs> I'm Sean O'Sullivan. My wheelchair is leaking. <laughs> oh, so am I. <laughs> and they were so funny. They did, they were so accommodating. They couldn't get me in because there was nobody to give me a tour. But they gave me the only thing they could offer me was an annual report from Sapporo. Uh, it was like. Two years old, they happened to have there. They just had to do. They had to give me something. I think it was to get rid of me. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. So I, I know exactly what you mean. They're, Very gracious. I didn't get a tour though, but I they give you an annual and a report. report. You know, facts and figures. It was a good effort, yet. though. You know. I, oh, hero, Sean. All right, we got to take a break. I got a caller on. He's, he wants to know about the pizza for this week, Sully. You know, we've been getting pizzas sent to us every week since Daniela left. What's going on with that? Well, we have. I think we have our own food this week, though, don't we? JP brought some yeah. tri-tip. Yeah. I, like, we I, don't have food because I brought it, that's for sure. I smoked a tri-tip for you. And I think that uh, Chad was marinating some shish kebabs. Yeah. Uh, Pete, you like the barbecue. We got some barbecue. Yeah, Pete is, uh, it's his it. hidden life. Really? Hey, Matt, you're on the line, man. What's happening? Hey. I think you wanted to say. I already ordered the pizza, man. Did you really? That's JP fine. JP said you would eat it, so. We'll totally eat it, dude. Don't worry. Are you about kidding that. me? We're gonna eat all. Uh, we're gonna so eat that pizza. Did you really already ordered it? Huh? You're quick. Yeah, I got a round uh, round table. They gave me some trouble. So you're getting uh, original blondies. Yeah, little blondies pizza. Wait, what, why did round table oh, give you no trouble? Oh shit! You went straight to blondies. Oh, don't worry. It's gonna get eaten, dude. Yeah. I Google. I just use Google. Like you can put in your address. And Blondie's kicks ass. You gotta like. You have to wring it out like a towel to get the grease out of it. That's how good it is. <laughs> uh, is it vegetarian? We have a request. Yeah, Stephanie wants to know if it's vegetarian. Meatless Mary. Oh, you know what? I- I'll call back and get it changed. Don't worry. About no, it. No, 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 don't worry no, about no, it. No, no, She'll no, pick the meat. What I ordered, Please. Justin? No, What'd you order? Uh, it's three extra-large uh, pepperoni and olives. <laughs> oh, you the man. You know what's oh, funny? is okay. that You can change one of those. Stephanie doesn't eat meat or olives. Yeah. Maybe we should change okay. one. Sounds like Stephanie doesn't eat, then, yeah. tonight, at least. Oh, she eats. Stephanie what do you eat? You eat, she, she, you eat she, cheese? She eats chocolate. There's plenty of chocolate. chocolate. I eat cheese. So can you maybe call back and put some fucking broccoli on one of those or something? <laughs> or tofu. Do you want just cheese, or do you want some what do you want, real vegetables, Dad? like peppers and onions? and Anchovies. Anchovies. I like the That's fact that we're vegetarian. like, I, I feel like we're calling the pizza place right now. We're like, yeah. Steph, what do you want? I'll eat any veggie pizza. Just put some, no meat. Tell them to put some green shit on there. She'll be fine. 
Okay. Hey, and, thanks, uh, man. JP, That's awesome. JP wouldn't give me a local number, so I, t- I had to tell him my home phone was a cell number. That's fine. I seem to buy it though. I don't. Ha- I don't have a local number. It'll work. Yeah, we don't have. I local said. Number. I said use the eight 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 number. That'd be fine. Right? Hey, give him the eight. That would number. be a great call. Yeah. Uh, I just want to confirm that you're really ordering three large, we're like, large pizzas. Yes, we are. Do you take food stamps? Hey, thanks. That's. Oh, all. there's one. We'll eat it. There's one thing you guys have to sign for the uh, for the tip. So Brewer's code on not messing yeah. up. Yeah. All right, we won't mess up your credit. Of course, we'll tip the guy. Does that mean we got to tip the guy, or we just got to sign something? No, you you should tip him, but you know, don't tip him a hundred bucks. How about we tip them tip him in cash, and and you just have paid for the price of the pizza. That'll be fine. Oh, that that's fine. All right, brother. Hey, we appreciate that, thank man. You. Thanks thank very you. much. Thank you. You're awesome. All right, Matt. Cheers, man. Okay. Bye, guys. Right on. Yeah, we've been doing wow. this thing where like people are worried that I'm gonna die because I don't know because Daniela didn't leave me enough sandwiches, yeah. and so people have been buying <laughs> us pizza like every week. Pete, it's, it's amazing. The greatest they thing ever invented. Yeah. Well, I thought Twenty First Amendment would ship it over for these things. Uh, no, I no, assume no, you would think so, Pete. Pete we uh, don't even have. We don't if even they were, have, if they were a good community provider, I they well, would, I asked. They would uh, I asked Sean once, and I said, Sean, you want to cater these things? And he's like, Dude, I spent ten million dollars on my brewery. <laughs> Uh, I cannot be catering your little show over there. Your little show in Pacheco, <laughs> so near Nevada. So our listeners have been catering it for a couple weeks. Pete, we don't even get cans of beer from Sean. <laughs> he doesn't even bring us no. that. We have a party. Yeah, hey Sean, come out. Oh, yeah. He brings, brings Coors, Coors Light. Light. Well, it looks like he brought spent greens. Wasn't that good enough for you guys? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Pete Schlossberg in the studio with us, everybody. We're going to start talking about the beer when we get back. I got a lot of beer questions for you. Yeah, you do. Uh, they're in front of me from the listeners so uh hang in there when we come back all about pete's wicked beer hang in there everybody you're listening to the brewcasters brewcasters on the brewing network b double e double r u n baron B-double-E-double-R-U-N, Baron. All we need is a 10 and a 5 or a car and a key and a sober driver. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, Baron. A couple of frat guys from Abilene drove out all night to see Robert Earl Keane at the K-Pig Swine and Soiree Dance. They wore baseball caps and khaki pants. They wanted cigarettes, so to save a little money, they bumped one off this hippie that smelled kind of funny. And the next thing they knew, they was both really hungry and pretty thirsty, too. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, B-double-E-double-R-U-N, all we need is a ten and a five or a car and a key and a naval driver. B double E double R U N. Found a store with a sign said their beer was coldest. They sent in Brad because he looked the oldest. He got a case of beer and a candy bar. Walked over to where all the registers are. Laid his fake ID on the countertop. The clerk looked and turned and looked back up and stopped and said, Boy, I'm not going to call the cops, but I am going to keep this card. The guys both took it uh, pretty hard. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, bear Double E double R U N Bear Ryan. Oh, how happy we 
could be had we only brought a better fake ID on B-double-E-double-R-E-N. We're right. They met another old hippie named Sleepy John. He claimed to be the one from the Robert Earl song, so they gave him the cash. He bought him some brews. It was a beautiful day in Santa Cruz. They was feeling so good, he should have been crying. The crowd was cool and the band was prime. They made it back up front to their seats just in time to sing with all their friends. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. All we need is a ten and a fiver, a car and a key and a sober driver. B double E double R U N double E double R U N Your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. (laughs) (laughs) The The home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Well, a Scotsman clad in kilt left a bar one evening fair. And one could tell by how he walked that he drunk more than his share. He fumbled round until he could no longer keep his feet. And he stumbled off into the grass to sleep beside the street. Ring, ding, diddle, little idio. Ring, da, diddly, I-o. He stumbled off into the grass to sleep beside the street. About that time, two young and lovely girls just happened by. One says to the other with a twinkle in her eye, See yon sleeping Scotsman so strong and handsome built. I wonder if it's true what they don't wear beneath the kilt. Ring, ding, diddle, little idio. Ring, da, diddly, I-o. I wonder if it's true what they don't wear beneath the kilt. They crept up on that sleeping Scotsman quiet as could be Lifted up his kilt about an inch so they could see And there behold for them to view beneath his Scottish skirt Was nothing more than God had graced him with upon his birth Ring ding diddle diddle ring da diddly Was nothing more than God had graced him with upon his birth They marveled for a moment, then one said, we must be gone. Let's leave a present for our friend before we move along. As a gift they left a blue silk ribbon tied into a bow. Around the bonny star, the Scots kilted lift and show. Ring, ding, diddle, little idio, ring, da, diddly, io. Around the bonny star, the Scots kilted lift and show. Now the Scotsman woke to nature's call and stumbled towards the trees. Behind the bush he lifts his kilt and gawks at what he sees. And in a startled voice he says to what's before. For his eyes, oh, lad, I don't know where you've been, but I see you one first rise. Ring, ding, ding, little laddie, oh, ring, 
know where you've been, but I see you one first Sir, we're going to eat like kings tonight, JV. Yeah, we are. I'm really excited. And a lot of food coming over thanks to Matt and our and our Feed the Bachelor uh, feed. telethon that's been yeah. going on for a few weeks. Isn't that a good idea? That's I actually just got a message from him, and there's going to be two orders now because the vegetarian's coming later. Oh, so now <laughs> so there's four full pizzas. No, that means. two meat I things, see. and Two then one things. veggie. And then the veggie. Mm-hmm. We should invite some people over or something. Yeah. <laughs> we should invite the drivers in. <laughs> yeah, it's coming Put in. on the air. Uh, we're here with Pete Slosberg today, and uh, he's, uh, you know, the guy, the guy the behind dude. Pete's Wicked Ale. So uh, you guys, uh, if you got any questions, 888-401-BEER is the number. You can Skype us at Brewing Network, and you can also now join Stephanie, who's uh, running the chat for you. She's under JP's name, but that's actually Steph hanging out in there, and she's going to take your questions and pass them along to us. Please be nice to the chat people. They do have powers to get rid of you. I you know feel- They're really welcoming. Good. They're really excited for a female. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I yeah. bet they are. Did you tell them that you've been uh, taking breast enhancement medication? Um, <laughs> Anything you can do to get close to Danielle? I just told them I had big boobs to fill. Fair enough. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Brian, you're on the line with us. What's happening, brother? You know, I, I figured I'd give up. Pete's first drunk of the week call. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, Pete, we do a little thing on the show here where we let our listeners call in and compete for drunk of the week. And uh, Brian actually tr- has been trying. Uh, he's been. Do- I think you got beat out by somebody last week, didn't you, Brian? No. Uh, week before. Well, maybe I. I don't remember. You know, I. This week. Is this H two? No, 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 no. It's not. Scott's here it's with a, me. Different this, Brian. But no, I'm not H2. Okay. Different Brian. And, uh, okay, all right, so to compete, you have to tell us what you've been drinking and how much of it. Uh, I'm on about my uh, eight or ninth Wild Turkey 101 and Pepsi. Oh, you're not even drinking beer. Wow. Usually people are like, oh, Imperial stuff. Wild Turkey 101 and Pepsi. Wow. Are you alive? Yeah, and did you say you're eight? Eight? Eight or ninth? I, you know what? Good Lord. Hey, you know what? Go check. I'm, like, depressed this weekend. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? What happened? What's going on? Uh, if you check the forum, look under uh, uh, the pet food recall under off topic. You'll oh, see what's oh. happening. Did your pets get caught oh, in that? No. Did your dog get caught up in the pet food recall? My Saint Bernard has early stage kidney failure. Oh, dude! Uh, now I'm depressed. I was reading about that and just pray. I, then I come home and I look at my dog. I kicked her a couple times, and I was like, "Man, I'm glad you're alive." Uh, you know, that's the second time that Imes has been has yeah. done something funky. Well, They've been sued. This time it's not Imes, it's Alpo. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was Imes. I never liked Alpo. Company. It's a Canadian company that uh, yeah. makes a lot of different brands. Uh. Yeah. Well. Oh I, man, I'm sorry uh, to hear that, brother. Hey, all right. Cool. You, hands down, you get drunk of the week, dude. That's Thanks, done. sir. Done deal. Well, I mean, is it is your dog? Can you pull we, out of it or? We we caught it early. 
their special dog food, although the bitch of it is, is that the dog food that made him sick yeah. is the same company that makes the prediction oh, sorry the prescription dog food yeah. that will make him better yeah oh. but that's normal like it's almost always the same drug company that'll fix you from the drug that screwed you up too so yeah, exactly uh, that so. makes sense that's fine ah uh, well hey i wish the dog the best man uh, oh yeah he'll be all right we'll take good. care of him all right all right you're drunk of the week i give it to you hands down switch Out the beer. right on brian guys. cheers man that should oh, cheer him up. What a shame. Wow. This is weird. It's like a weird, depressing show. Some yeah. guy well, died, dogs <laughs> on the kidney machine. <laughs> it's weird because uh, it's actually... Guys in Iraq. We're all feeling really Pete's good. We're having here. a great time, but we keep yeah. getting these depressing... Yeah, can somebody yeah. please call in and make me happy? St. Bernard. Oh, Hello, Sean. I love you. Uh, what? Who is that? <laughs> all right, Pete, I got a lot of questions about the beer in front of me. Now, I suppose before we get to it, real quick, we should talk about the fact that, uh, you know, we've talked about you starting uh, Pete's Wicked and doing the whole thing thing um i i did want to ask real quick at your peak because you guys were selling a lot of beer i mean it was everywhere everybody knows pete's wicked how much how much beer were you guys producing and selling at our peak it was a beer a second so drink up guys we're no falling behind. Kid. <laughs> that's how you tabulated it it was a beer a second that you yeah guys it was were. a bottle a second Holy cow, that's a lot of beer. Or a bottle of I mean, you guys were getting it out there i mean imagine even just having them numbers to do that math you yeah. know yeah because some people go, oh, you know, it's it's a half a beer a second, or you know, that's a, that's a yeah, wow, a beer a second. Okay, so, a lot so of how beer. many barrels was that a year? Because I'm not very good at math. Me neither. It and was, he doesn't sell bottles. It was over five hundred thousand barrels. Wow, no kidding. That's a lot of beer. All right. And so, how long? How many years were you involved with the company before it sold? You know, from start. Started in '86. Yeah. We went public in 1995. You did go public. Okay. We went public, and then we uh, got an offer in 1998 from the Gambrinus Company in San Antonio, and and uh, we sold it in '98. You sold it in '98. Okay. And so you've not been in the beer business since '98. Then I still drink. You but, but yeah, <laughs> you support the beer business. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, I did have the question come through that someone wanted to know why you sold. Why did why did you get out? Well, one of the uh, I talked earlier about my partner Mark and I made a lot of decisions up front about what we wanted to do with the company. Yeah. And one of the key decisions we made was uh, not to pass this on to our kids. We wanted to really? we wanted to grow the company as quickly as possible, build a brand, have fun with it, and if somebody gave us an offer, a decent offer, uh, we'd take it. Uh, I'm the type of guy who can't do the same thing day after day after day forever. I've had lots of different jobs, and uh, I thought if we got a decent offer and it made sense, then yeah. we would uh, we would take it. So it was 13 years and. And you were done. Is that the not pass it to your kids part that you didn't want to stick around with it for that long? Or was there something you didn't want your kids to inherit a beer company kind of a thing? Well, you just the, didn't want to stick around. Two things. One is uh, we had investors. It wasn't all our money. So we knew they wanted they would want liquidity at some point. Okay. And secondly, um, I kind of feel about entrepreneurship is that uh, everybody inherently can, can or should try something on their own. Can. And... And uh, <laughs> yeah, not everybody should. Uh, but my feeling was my kids should be able to do whatever they're going to do on their own. Okay, fair enough. So, wow, so 13 years, uh, Gambrinus came in, I assume made you a fantastic offer. You were a healthy company, had been doing great, and that was just the time to do it. it uh, everything came into alignment, and uh, we decided to take the offer. Okay. Now... From the point that you, you you then sold 
and and to Coco Pete's. Uh, how how long of a period was that? Did you well, vacation two, for two, a few years? No, because I had to spend uh, part of the deal was I had to spend two years with Gambrinus okay. uh, supporting the brand. So okay. I wasn't a free bird until two thousand. Right. And as I mentioned, in two thousand, I had five or six trips to Belgium over yeah. the couple years yeah. and going to see uh, people like Pierre Sellis and other Belgian brewers and just having a great time. Belgium is such a such a great place to go to. It's it's a small country. The weather sucks. So what better to do than to eat and drink and sure. <laughs> there? Uh, but it's such a, a welcoming country. The brewers are great. The pub owners are great. The food is great. And I discovered just incredible chocolate. Okay. And every time I came back, I brought five, ten, twenty pounds of chocolate to my uh, family and friends. And uh, it just made me think: why why is their chocolate so much better? And I did my homework and. Uh, for those budding entrepreneurs out there, there's one thing I do want to say. Uh, you can do it on your own, which is hard, or you can look for support. And if you can find a local business school, it's great. We actually got three Stanford business students to help us develop the chocolate business plan. Really? I had a gut feel about what the opportunity was, uh, but we got three second-year Stanford MBAs who actually got credit. Okay. Uh, credit towards their degree. As opposed to a paycheck. As, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. We, You're a smart man. That's but we, the best kind of help, man. But we, we give them stock in the company, too. Oh, okay, we, we, we want yeah. to make sure everybody got, got something. Yeah. Um, but they did some homework, showed that what I was thinking about the analog between the overall chocolate business and the beer business 20 years ago, that chocolate is kind of the same spot. Yeah. That the door was open for specialty chocolatiers to get in, so... We started Coco Pete's. And you've since gotten out of that as well. Yeah, although not quite the same success. Uh, it's uh, Making chocolate is very difficult. Okay. And uh, the same model of outsourcing production with uh, partners to manufacture. <laughs> uh, but our, par- our our chocolate partners were uh, uh, sucky at best. And, ah. our, and they, they had inconsistent and horrible quality, which when you're selling premium chocolate, it's not a good thing to have yeah. inconsistent quality. So we did find a buyer in December. And we sold Coco Pete's, and now I have time to catch up with people like like you, Justin. You wanted me to be on the show for a long time, but it's kind of hard when you're starting a business to do that. And, yeah, I've been uh, tracking you down for a while. Right, and yeah. um, now I have an opportunity to go to the 21st Amendment, and uh, I keep looking for decent beers, but I've yet. No, just <laughs> 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 a, I'm sorry, Pete. We I thought I told you that that's what you're not supposed to say. They, they have a guest tap, don't they? They do have great cans. If anybody, I got to tell you. Beer in cans is such a better container than glass. No light gets in. Wait, wait. wait. You look, 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 writing the check look, as Pete speaks. Look, look for watermelon wheat at your nearest store, soon, soon to be. <laughs> and, IP, and IPA. And IPA. That's right. yeah. But we haven't talked about we, watermelon wheat to begin with. Yeah. Peace and that's peace. all located at 562 Second Street. <laughs> yeah. That's 563. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 562 and is as the, the giant, giant, yeah, giant season kicks off. <laughs> no, Pete's been a great guy. He's uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of a, a, a view behind the, the curtain is that uh, he he really will, he'll sit down and talk to you and uh, he's been a great friend of the Twenty First Amendment and talking to Nico and I about his, his experiences, but just not with us. He does it with anybody. And uh, he sent me an email recently uh, that 
it's it's almost like it's a voyeuristic thing. He doesn't have to get involved. He doesn't have to, you know, uh, put his blood and sweat on the line. He can kind of kick back and watch. Yeah. And uh, he's been a great, great asset to uh, certainly what Nico and I are doing at the 21st Amendment. And uh, and just to have that kind of... uh, Information and knowledge base. I mean, I have to tell you, and Justin, you kind of made this comment during the break that uh, you've got a lot going on over there when you're running the show. Yeah. But Pete is like a guy that you just want to sit here and listen to. Yeah, you're and, one of the only guests I- I've ever listened to, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> like I've actually been paying attention to you and not running the show. And it's just uh, he's not lying. <laughs> and I have to. I have been the whole time. Again, I mean, we've been spending a few uh, some time together. I just keep like writing ideas down. So. Uh, well, you have a new yeah. you have a new acronym, WW. Yeah, yeah. This is actually funny. WWPD. Uh, so we're we're getting involved. Uh, Nico and I are doing this candy project that we keep talking about, and uh, it's a you know it's just like starting a new business and uh, looking for ways we're going to do it and, and how we're going to go about it. Yeah. And we kind of using Pete as the model in a lot of ways, in many ways actually. And uh, so we, I, I was, we were having some problems with this one aspect of the process, and I sent email, uh, Nico an email late at night, and I just basically said in the in the subject line, which wasn't spam. Yes, uh, thank you. What would Pete do? And <laughs> so that's our new thing. What yeah. would Pete do? Anytime it comes up, some crazy decision. WWP. What would Pete do? Yeah. What Pete. would Pete do? Well, I'm so, gonna get that tattooed to my. And and it, and I gotta tell you something. It. We you can make a lot of decisions based on what would, what Pete, would Pete do. do. Yeah. So well, and it makes is, it very easy. I just said I just said to Nico, we we should not be doing this. Fuck this. Let's just get rid of this. This is what Pete would just say. What are you doing right now? You're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and by the way, this is why I dragged Pete through the whole uh, story about starting and deciding to do it because I think that it's a you actually you made some really great decisions and you even made the comment earlier when we were talking today that I think is right on. You know, you said we really planned out what we were going to do and a lot of companies don't do that and that sounds like a weird statement no it's but not it's as true as I, it could be i have people that come up to me all the time who say i'm a home brewer and, I, and which is great and you know but, sure. but i want to when i want to open up a, a brewery or a brew pub and you know i got this great beer and my friends tell me this beer is great and it's almost like i've been to vietnam like a million times or iraq yeah. uh, a million times and i look them in the eye and say, get the heck out of here and run away from me right now because it, it is not about the beer especially at a brewery it's not about the beer you're running a restaurant you're right. not you're, you just happen to have a gimmick associated with it, which is making beer, and it's, it should be quality and all that. And the same thing with running a you know a, a, a brewing manufacturing company or where you're selling beer in the marketplace. You, yeah. it's not about that. Yeah. It's, it is well, about that, but it, it is, is about yeah. like making the right decisions and going through and caring, you know, and right. and, and sticking true to your principles and all that. I think but you need to be passionate it. about the beer, but uh, but selling it is something else. So, yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about the beer because that's what a, a lot of questions have, have come in front of me that people want to talk about the beer. And I'll tell you, point blank, they want recipes from you, Pete. Well, uh, I gave my recipe to Sean a couple of years ago, and he brewed the Twenty First Amendment, and it was close. It was close, but really? it was it wasn't it wasn't spot on. The the problem with formulas is, I can give you the grain bill. The grain bill for Wicked Ale was. Uh, let me think. I'm having. I've had too much beer right now. Um, <laughs> it was seventy percent pale, twenty nine percent caramel, and one percent chocolate. Okay, it was one uh, percent uh, chocolate. One percent chocolate. It was um, twenty nine IBUs, 
and we uh, basically used Brewer's Gold. Uh, as what is the equivalent of that today, Sully? You know, I think you can still get Brewer's Gold. Actually, it's can hard you? to find. Yeah. All right. Okay. So there, there's the basic. Now, now the the issue is: so what? What temperatures? What times? Um, what yeast? And um, because we were using brewing partners. Uh-huh. We had to use the house yeast at all these brewing partners, which obviously changed every time you change breweries. Oh, I see. But we spent a lot of time with our brewmaster trying to replicate the profile, the final product, even with a different yeast. Okay. So That's uh, tough with a different yeast. It's very tough. Not only that, but different brewing equipment. Yeah. Uh, recipes don't scale. Sure. So you have to you have to modify your, your temperatures and your times. So honestly... How close were you able to get? Were they really that close? Well, uh, I'll give Dan Del Grande credit. Dan got involved with a project a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. We had a former employee that has bone cancer, so we did a fundraising beer, uh, an imperial Pete's Wicked Ale. We called it Reunion Beer. One of our former sales guys and this woman who had bone cancer and I got together, and we did a 7.5% version of, version of oh, a great. 5% Wicked Ale. Great. And i got to give Dan credit. He got closer to Wicked Ale than... than Sean did. <laughs> nice. Just well, because it was a seven percent. Uh, what's it called, and, and where can people get it? Well, it's it's, it's Northern California. It's called Reunion okay. Limited Production. But okay. next year it'll be back. Okay. I'm just joking with Sean. Sean did a did an ad. Well, it's it's a funny story actually. I, I you you kind of you do what you, you you can do, but uh, Pete was in the in the throes of his chocolate business, and I I told him I wanted to do this, and I and I I would get these emails like in the middle of the night all across the country. Like where he would like you know he would have like a a thought or he would remember like what was in it and uh, he would I would get the you know like at twelve thirty in the middle of the night like uh, Brewer's Gold was the hop and then I would so I got these little pieces of the puzzle all the time yeah it was actually kind of a cool way to like put the recipe together yeah so all right so that's the wicked recipe yeah and and just uh, for just uh, the stuff that that is fairly uh, fixed is it was a uh, thirteen Plato beer okay. Now, I had questions about some of your other beers, too. People want to know about the Pete's Oktoberfest. Yep. You remember that recipe? No. I'm actually, um, I'm pretty impressed that you were able to just spit out the Wicked recipe. Well, Wicked like was uh, was my creation. Oh, as we it? as okay. we got bigger, we hired a professional brewmaster. You did. And I was part of the tasting panel, but not the recipe development. So is Wicked the only one, the, your your flagship was the only one that you that came out of your brew house, your yeah. home brewery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fantastic. Because, uh, yeah, people wanted to know about the Strawberry Blonde. Now, you can say this, because we talked about it earlier. Tell us about how you added the fruit to the Strawberry Blonde, because there's different ways. Yeah, we wanted an all-natural extract to add to the beer, and uh, our brewmaster worked with a flavor company in, in Minnesota and tried to recreate the aroma of fresh strawberries. Uh, not so much the taste, but the aroma. So when you pop the bottle, the aroma of, of fresh strawberries came through. Yeah. And they created a uh, an extract, a natural extract that was perfect, right. absolutely perfect. Matter of fact, it was so good that in our chocolate company, we had a chocolate we called Berry Berry Dangerous, <laughs> which was real strawberries and dark chocolate. But we added the uh, the strawberry flavoring to the chocolate. So when you open the chocolate package, the, the aroma of fresh strawberries came out. Ah, uh, see, that's a great idea. Is the strawberry blonde a wheat-based beer? No. It's not? Nope. It was all just kind of a two-row or pale ale? Exactly. Pale ale. Okay. Yep. Uh, someone wanted to know if the dog on your first bottles of Pete's was your dog. Yes. Um, when par- Part of the strategy was we knew, we knew we had to have a name that would be a hook that would get people to look at the product on the shelf. We also knew we had to have a label 
that was visual that people would be able to see given potentially hundreds of different labels on the shelf. So I had uh, my favorite dog in the world. Uh, I first saw it on uh, the movie Patton. Remember that movie with George C. Scott? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The dog Willie. It was an English Bull Terrier. As soon as I saw that, I told my wife, I'm going to get one of those dogs. Okay. So I got an English Bull Terrier. And um, my partner, Mark, thought the Bull Terrier was the ugliest dog on earth. I thought it was (laughs) the most beautiful dog on earth. But we thought... Either way. If we're going to do something different with what we're doing... What if we put a white English Bull Terrier on a purple label on <laughs> yeah. a brown bottle? Would that jump out on the shelf? And the answer is absolutely. So yeah. the, the sequence is you want to be seen on the shelf, so the white on purple on brown got your eye. Okay. The name Wicked forced you to pick the bottle up and read the label, Yeah. and then hopefully people would actually purchase it. Yeah. So, yeah, we had the dog for several years, and... Uh, I live out in a mountainous area, so we don't have any TV reception, so we had a satellite dish. And with the satellite dish, we got East Coast programming three hours early, um, uh, being out in the West Coast. Yeah. So my partner, Mark, was over, and we were watching David Letterman one night, and out comes Spuds McKenzie. And we look at each other, and we go, oh, fuck, what's (laughs) Anheuser-Busch doing with this? And uh, within a couple months, we got got a letter from AB saying... uh, You've stolen our really? idea. Yeah. Get rid of the dog. So we uh, uh, we had our lawyer draft a letter to go back to AB saying, here are the facts. And it took about a year and a half to finally get it resolved. And ultimately, AB said, no problem, keep the dog. The problem over this year and a half period is they kept advertising with Spuds. And people believed that we were copying Spuds. I see. Because we had no money for advertising. Yeah. So... When AB finally said, no problem, keep the dog, we went to our lawyers and we said, if they don't have a problem with us, should we have a problem with them? And the lawyer said, look, here's the best you can hope for. Wicked Ale was only available in California. So the best you can hope for, and you may not even get it, is to prevent spuds from being used in California. Yeah. And you'll lose your company in legal fees. So what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'll get a cat. <laughs> so we changed. Okay. A gecko. That's right. a good one. Uh, back to your, <laughs> back to the wicked for a second, because someone wanted to know: uh, Was there any uh, late hopping in the wicked, or only bittering hops? Uh, we dry hopped it. You dry hopped it, really? Yeah, we were, we uh, we wanted bitterness, not a huge amount of bitterness, but we wanted the hop aroma. So we, uh, I don't know if we were. I assume Sarah was dry hopping too, but. I think we were in the You were few. probably one of the first ones that were doing that. Yeah. yeah. We decided to dry hop. Which is interesting even uh, for a brown ale that you decided to dry hop that. You wanted some aroma. Well, it sounds like uh, from the earlier conversation that it was kind of a bastard of beers, uh, that it was a, an American brown ale, which has a little bit of hop aroma to it. Well, we, uh, you know, you can argue who started it, but we like to take credit for inventing the style of American brown ale because we got, you know, we started with the Wicked Ale and got the gold medal for it. But I invented the what, internet. What what I was trying to do in the beginning was because my my partner didn't drink and he left the brewing up to me. I thought if we're going to start a company, what if we're not successful? I want to have a beer that I can drink the inventory of. <laughs> you, sir, are a man after my own business heart. Right so there. So my favorite beer at the time was Samuel Smith's Nut Brown Ale. There you go. And I uh, I tried copying it. The first time was 
not that close. Second time was closer. Third time was okay. Fourth time was still was another failure. But the fourth failure was so good. It was so much better than any beer I ever had. I said, screw it. The hell with it. That's it. Why bother copying Sam Smith's when we got this? Okay. And it turns out, why was it different? Sam Smith's Nut Brown Ale is a slightly sweet example of an English brown ale. We added more hopping, so it was more bitter. Yeah. The, the bitter balanced the sweetness. Yeah. Where Sam Smith's, it's, it's really directionally on the sweet side. And that, that balancing of sweet and bitter was so important to me. And one theme we had with our beers at Pete's was balance. We didn't want to be extremely sweet or extremely bitter. We wanted all flavors to be noticeable, but working in harmony. And uh, I guess you can say that you can blame us for not having really out there beers, but our feeling was we wanted to be creative with our artistry and, and the flavor profiles, but let everything work together so you can notice everything and not have one thing overpower everything. Absolutely, and that's, I think that's a great thing. Wasn't uh, Pete's Wicked Ale initially, for some reason I remember it being darker, then, uh, well, in the, in the beginning, we used extract, and then when we went to grain, it might have, might have changed in yeah. color. Wow, when you first were having it brewed, it was an extract brew. Yeah, we used uh, a company called Palo Alto Brewing, uh-huh. Bob Stoddard's company in Mountain View, California, and his brewery was only an extract brewery. Is that right? And uh, I, I mentioned before the flatulence caused by extract. Sure, that's right. Thank God when we went to grain. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's <laughs> to stop that. That brewery is actually still alive and well, I think. In the, Oakland. The equipment uh, is at uh, Oakland. Pacific Coast Brewing Company. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, is that the same brewery now? Same brewery. Oh, we've had him on the show then. Yeah. That's the same... No kidding. I don't know if all the equipment, but certainly part of the equipment went to uh, to Oakland. That was the first uh, Pete's. Wow, what a small world. Because we've had him in here. In fact, if you go back to the first season, if you will, (laughs) of uh, the Sunday show, you'll find the Pacific Coast, because he's still brewing extract today out of that place. Very interesting. Okay, um... I want to know how many different beers you guys were brewing at your peak and how you dealt with that. Because you well, guys had pe- several, pe- right? People always said, okay, it sounds like you're a success, but come on, not everything can be successful. What, what were the major problems you encountered? Okay. And I got to say, the proliferation of flavors was probably our biggest mistake. Really? Yeah. Uh, why? Um, how many flavors? At our peak, we had... Ten year-round flavors and four seasonals. So we had wow. 11 flavors at any given time. Wow. Okay, why is that bad? Uh, when you're running a business, you have to be able to give instructions to your sales force, we want to focus on this. When you have 11 beers, it's hard to give focus to the sales force. Okay. The distributor says, what the fuck are you doing to me? I have to buy inventory of 11 products? There's no way in hell... I want to I want to invest in 11 flavors when I don't know if all of them are going to sell. Yeah. And third is fucking ego. That we had the ego to believe that <laughs> the the retailer would put a, all these flavors on the shelf. Yeah, you were like, With, "Hey, we're that good." Yeah. So, uh our biggest mistake was was to rapidly expand our portfolio. We okay. had five beers at one time. And it was, they were great flavors. Matter of fact, that one of the pubs we went to earlier, one of the servers came up and said, Oh, I, I really miss your maple porter. Well, that <laughs> yeah. was, that was part of the, uh. She also slipped him her number. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you have to, you have to understand that, that create, create, I'm trying to change the topic. I'm sorry. Gracefully. <laughs> Amy's listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you're running a business, it's, yeah, the, the beer is important, the flavors are, are important, but you have to understand the, 
you have to understand the mentality of your customers. And I think what we did successfully overall was understand that our customers weren't just the drinkers yeah. at the end, that we have customers in our sales force, customers at the retailer, customers at the wholesaler, as well as the ultimate customer. So, wh- I'm sorry, what would you have done again, uh, if you had to do it over again, uh, what would you have done differently? Less Less, less, less skews. We would less. have had we would have had less flavors and put more focus on on the flagship Wicked Ale. I want to know if it was the home brewer in you that put out all those flavors, or just that you wanted to sell a bunch more beer. Uh, well, it wasn't just me. I mean, we had a pretty big company at the time, and yeah. one of the other decisions we made, very important decision, was when we started the company. My partner kept his day job, and I kept my day job. Okay, and we tested the concept, get got beer out, and we found out the concept had a lot of merit. But wasn't going anywhere because we kept our day jobs. We couldn't devote the time. Yeah. So we had a meeting one night, kind of a come to Jesus meeting, and we said, <laughs> "How do we make the brand meet its potential? Do you, Mark, become president? Do I become president?" And thank God we're on the same wavelength. We said, "We think we're smart guys, but if either one of us became president, we don't know the beer business, and there would be months, if not years, of learning the business." Let's not let our ego get in the way. Let's go outside. We hired a headhunter and hired somebody from the beer business to be the day-to-day president. Okay. And we said, it's better for the business that we hire an outsider yeah. than to let either one of us, let the ego get involved. Right. I have to say that interviewing you today, Pete, has made me feel like a complete and utter failure so far. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of all of the ridiculous things that I've done as far as making this thing happen. And uh, and you guys really started from a place that was was uh, y- you just made a lot of really great decisions. You really uh, sometimes came at you get it lucky from the right place. You, know? you made a lot of good decisions. What does that feel like? <laughs> It because feels I like uh, it feels like being retired early is what yeah. it feels yeah. like. <laughs> twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> feels like being retired twice. Retarded? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to tell a little story to get your reaction uh, and I meant to do it earlier in the show and I forgot and then someone has asked me about it because I've mentioned it before. See, another bad decision. <laughs> and, <it's, yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's how I met Pete. Uh-oh. And this, oh, this is, is a uh, good story. Yeah. And I really want to know if you remember this too, Pete, because this it is a good story because I'm a douchebag is why it's a good story. <laughs> so I met Pete at uh, Sean O'Sullivan at the 2NA, 563 2nd Street. At, their, at beer school. At beer school. That's right. He holds a beer school. But I don't school remember that. Every no. now and then. Yeah, but I wasn't there. Yeah. And I was in the corner. Yeah, you were the asshole, but I don't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he was holding a beer school, and uh, and we went out to it. And um, and Sully's been great for the show. He's always telling people, hey, that's, he introduces me to a lot of people. But Sean was busy that day, so what I assume happened is is that he went to Pete and he said, hey, over there is Justin, and he does that beer show that I'm involved in sometimes, and, and you should introduce yourself. You, should, you, you guys should talk. I just assume that's what happened because I'm sitting in my corner there, and and Pete comes up to me, and, and, and he says, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Pete Slosberg, and I don't know, I don't know Pete. Right. I think that there should be because you never read the book. Because I, I didn't. Because I hadn't read the book. Exactly. Read the book. And I'm going to say right now that I think that there should be a mandate that you should always introduce yourself as the artist formerly known as Pete's Wicked, so that people like me who are retarded know yeah. that you're you're not just Pete, you're Pete. 
All right. Or at least wear the shirt. So Pete comes I put, up. I put my pants on, left left leg first. How do you put your pants on? <laughs> we don't wear pants. I don't wear yeah. pants at all. <laughs> so he comes up and he says, I'm Pete Slosberg. I hear you have a radio show. And and I think that he's just a guy asking about the radio show. So I, I'm not a dick or anything, but I say, yeah, I do a radio show. And then he said, what's it about? And I said, well, it's, you know, it's good. My final statement to Pete is basically because um, I was trying to say whether or not he should listen to it, and I essentially said, "You know, it's fun and it's good if you're into beer." <laughs> this is what I say to Pete, and he and he nods his head at me and turns around and walks away. He yeah. puts the big okay. L on his forehead and walks away like, "Okay, yes. loser." This is what I say. I say appropriate I say, response. I say too, it's a good show way. if you're into beer. He turns, he walks away. Doctor Scott, my co-host, then Pete. So this is after you leave. He looks at me and he's shaking his head at me and he goes, "Do you know who that was? You fucking asshole! That was Pete. Pete." Like the, the and I, Pete, and I'm like, what? Pete, what? He's like, Pete's wicked, and I <laughs> went into hiding. I sank to the floor. I felt like such an ass after that that I had just said to Pete, "Well, if you're into beer, it's yeah. a good show." I have to pour a beer, as you're saying. Am I into beer? <laughs> so the Wait. question from the listener, and I have to admit that I have the question too, is uh, what was your reaction to 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 that? In, or do you even was it anything at all? Because <laughs> I, I Sean thought. Had Loser. I've had so much fun of these beer schools of the 21st Amendment, but who who do they invite to this thing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I probably I completely I don't know who that is. And I said, Justin, to, I don't yeah. know who that is. Oh, you went to, to the Sean wrong guy. Too, I said, Sean, I just made a total ass of myself. <laughs> I just said, if you like beer, to Pete. <laughs> So then I emailed you and thinking this guy is never going to respond to my email to come on the show. And you did. You've been very gracious ever since. Uh, you've been busy, but, but very gracious. I hope that I didn't come off as too much of a dick. No, it's just coming out to Nevada for your show. Is just... <laughs> it's, been, it's been You fine. know, you're going to meet like Augie Bush and it's going to be like, yeah, I do it. If you're into beer. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm yeah. going to be like, well, if you know anything about beer. And, and he's going to go, no. Yeah. I'm, actually, I'm not into beer. I'm more into wine spritzers. I will crush you <laughs> i will buy your little network out and crush you uh this is augie uh, listen. <laughs> he's on my cb now listen uh justin me and pete we will crush you i do want to say now that you uh are talking about the this thing yeah um we had the gentleman on before about a friend passing i do want to mention one of my friends passing who i really miss alan eames ah the writer the uh, king of beer as he called himself yeah um uh, an amazing guy. He he was my mentor. I heard him at a uh, conference talking about these weird stories from the uh, history of beer. And I called him up and I said, is this bullshit? He said, no, no, it's all real. So he became a mentor and uh, actually got me to, uh, in all my travels, whether in, in Europe or here, going to brewing archives or industry archives and looking up old beers going back 300 years on stories from the world of beer. And uh, actually, I have a collection of about 600 books now, going back 300 years. No kidding. And and what, to me, what what was so great about it wasn't so much what beers were like 300 years ago, but the stories about it that kind of makes it human. Uh, words and phrases that we use every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, mind your p's and q's. Do you know what that's from? Pints and courts. Right. Pub owners yelling out when the crowd got rowdy. Mind your mind your pints and courts. Yeah. Um, Doing things by the rule of thumb is one of my favorite. That is a good one. I like that one. Tell that one. 
Okay, that's uh, it comes directly from the brewing process where, well, there's one theory that uh, doing things by the rule of thumb meant you could beat your wife with a stick that was smaller than the diameter of your thumb. I remember that, which is my favorite, <laughs> yeah. by the way. I think we should repeat that one again. But, but, uh, <laughs> the brewing one. Yeah. But uh, on the brewing one, uh, the thermometer wasn't invented till the 1760s. So how did a brewer know when to add yeast? You You boil the liquid, it's hot, it's cooling off. If you added the yeast too soon, the heat would kill it. If you added it too late, the yeast wouldn't propagate. Yeah. So they discovered that if you put your thumb in the cooling liquid, when you put the thumb in and it got the body temperature, where you couldn't feel a temperature difference, if you uh, pitched your yeast then, you get a fermentation out of it, a proper yeah, fermentation. Idea. Yeah. So literally, when when you do things by the rule of thumb, when it feels good, you do it. Yeah. So Alan, Alan introduced me to this concept, and I just got so turned on. Uh, and there's so many great stories. Uh, uh, who here in the audience, yeah. the peanut gallery, yes, knows where the pilgrims landed? Uh, Plymouth. Yeah. Plymouth. Plymouth you know why they landed yeah. at Plymouth? Uh, they ran out of beer. They didn't run out of beer. They were low. No. They did. That's not the story. Not the pilgrims. Oh. Who who is it that ran out of beer? So that's why they landed. I thought it was the pilgrims. No, not the pilgrims. It okay. was the, it was the sailors of the ship. Ah, uh, back that's right. back hundreds of years ago, when ships were traveling around the world, the water supplies of Europe were tainted with sewage, so you could die if not get sick from local water in yeah. Europe. So they carried beer. Yeah, the beer might go bad, but it was not. They they didn't know the chemistry of beer, but even though the beer might have gone sour, it wouldn't hurt you. So yeah. they carried beer. So when the Pilgrims booked passage on the Mayflower, they weren't going to Massachusetts. They were going to Virginia, yeah. where other British colonists were. When they got across the Atlantic, they hit an island. They thought it was an island. It turned out to be Cape Cod. And the crew, everybody was happy they made it across the Atlantic. So while they were resting, the crew did an inventory check of their supplies, and they calculated that their beer supply was such that they didn't have enough to take the Pilgrims to Virginia with enough left over to get home to England. So they said, screw the passengers. Let's ah. go to the mainland and kick them <laughs> off so there'd be enough beer to get home. Oh, I see. All right. I see. Yeah, I always knew it was something, but, and I didn't know that it was so that, that they calculated enough to get back home. I thought they had to get there and figure out how to brew some. Nope. So the but, pilgrims uh, were like probably church-going folk. They had probably didn't, didn't yeah. like teetotalers. And the crew was like, this sucks. Now, you, you mentioned <laughs> yeah. the term teetotaler. You know where that comes from? Uh, No. People that total tea. You're a 21st Amendment kind of guy. <laughs> he doesn't even work there. He's <laughs> hardly even seen the place, Pete. Well, well it's uh, it's probably uh, it probably comes from uh, the temperance movement. It does. Yeah. Bingo. Very good. Yeah. And uh, during the temperance mo- movement, in trying to recruit folks to the movement, they couldn't get everybody to get on their bandwagon by saying no alcohol whatsoever. Ah. So they had two levels. They had temperance where they wouldn't drink hard spirits. And temperance where they wouldn't drink anything. So a teetotaler is temperance total, meaning if you, if you, uh, wouldn't have any alcohol whatsoever, you were a teetotaler, temperance totaler. Aha. Uh-huh. See, now, now the writer that you're talking about too, Daniela, she used to do a segment on the show and, and did a segment right after he passed away, did a whole segment on the guy. I just want to mention that not only was he great at this beer history that he did and he really went out and, and seeked out beer history all over the world, but, uh, I was doing some reading about him and he also really was, was kind of a godfather of, of craft beer. He, he really consulted with a lot of beer companies too, didn't he? Help with recipes and help with different things like that. Well, mostly, that I was mostly history, but his wife, uh, Anne, uh, 
Alan went all around the world looking at native beers, including Brazil, and his wife Anne uh, came up with the concept. She created Zing- Zingu. Yeah. You familiar with that, the Brazilian yeah. black beer? Yep. Yeah. So uh, they created that and got that distributed in the okay. U.S. Okay. Uh, so, well, fair enough, then. A good uh, tribute to him as well, because it's very recent, his passing, and he really was one of the uh, the beer greats. Like, guys like me and uh, and Jay Brooks, and um, and I'm not putting myself in the same caliber at all, but uh, and Michael Jackson, like these kind of guys. Guys uh, who, like us who don't necessarily make the beer, but talk about it and report about it and go out and find it. Um, uh it's guys like him who 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 set that up for us, who really kind of went out and did it first, and 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 made it available to us, and realized that there was an audience that people wanted to know about these kind of things, and so uh, well, let's toast him. Yeah, it's a toasting show. It is here, a toasting here. show. So toast to, to him. Alan. Uh, cheers to Alan. Cheers to Alan. And uh, what I think we're going to do is is take another quick break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to wrap things up with Pete, and we're going to then go eat. What are we going to say when Sean dies? Uh, I'm gonna say shit. Thank God he's gone. <laughs> I'm gonna call Nico and ask him. Five, six, three, yeah. Second Street. Yeah. We'll be on the greatest stuff. <laughs> Nico, you need a partner. What's happening, brother? Yeah. Wait, what's crack a lacking, son? <laughs> yeah, I can make beer. You want a sour beer? Give me one. Who you got on the phone there, uh, Stephanie? Some crazy dude. He wants to talk about what else can kill dogs. And chocolate. Uh, chocolate. Shotgun. Like, no, who he is has a, um, I'm not sure who it is, but hops can kill dogs, and he... I think only used hops, though, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't want to have that conversation. Uh, he's on there to tell you about it. All right, everybody, hops can kill dogs, all right? There you go. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I, just, I don't want to have that conversation. i got to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap things up with Pete, and we're real glad to have him here. And if you got any questions, 888-401-BEER is the number. You can join Stephanie in the chat room. She's helping you out there. i got a few more questions in front of me already that I'll be throwing at Pete. We'll be right back. Hang in there, everybody. You're listening to The Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on The Brewing Network.
my turn. Which way do I go? Step out of the car. You're going to jail. No. Backwards the alphabet. Up yours, pig, you do that shit. want to go home tonight. Next to it, grab yourself a paper towel and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Oh, sinner, do not stray from the straight and narrow way. For the Lord is surely watching what you do. If you approach the devil's den, turn round, don't enter in. Lest the hand of the Almighty fall on you. He'll fuck you up. up. Yes, God will fuck you up. If you dare to disobey His stern command, He'll fuck you up. Don't you know He'll fuck you up? So you better do some praying while you can. Long ago, a man named Lot had a wife he thought was hot, but she could not stop her black and sinful ways. It was her own damn fault When God turned that bitch to salt That's the way he used to work Back in those days He fucked him up He really fucked him up When the people went And turned their backs on him He can fuck you up No shit, he'll fuck you up Just like he fucked the people up back then I used to have a friend named Ray Who walked that evil way He cursed and drank and broke his neighbor's fans You know Ray was full aware That some sheep were over there And he knew them in the biblical sands God fucked him up He went and fucked Ray up Went and paid him back for all his wicked sins 
fucked him up. Fucked that boy completely up. Now he's married to a Presbyterian. arrived and we're yeah, having a hard time getting back to the show Whew. blondie's pizza i just want to announce right now is one of the best pizzas in the bay area yes and uh we're enjoying it quite a bit it's pete, tasty man pete's got himself some blondies right now he's Woo. stuffing his face the rest of us are too a lot of good beer in the studio tonight. that was a 2p break yeah <laughs> So you get the bag, you don't have to do that. <laughs> That's amazing. A two, I haven't had a two-pee you know, break in a while. Interesting backstory on what's happening here. Did I, did I mention this already? That Probably. P- that Pete and uh, Chad, who's kind of like the guy behind the scenes here, yeah. they're like bonding over Connecticut. Yeah, they Both are. Both these guys grew up in like the same neighborhood or something like that. Yeah, So it. it's been like this thing about... The food there, it's been awesome. I'm thinking of hiring, hiring Chad as the producer of the show. He does a really great job anyway. Maybe yeah. I ought to just get him on full time, and I'll pay him in, like, beer. If you or, haven't or, or, experienced whole belly fried clams from southeastern Connecticut, you haven't lived. Yeah. But. He's right. Or pizza. There's, like, 8 million pizzas out there. We all love Connecticut, because I'm from there, too, but we, we all move away from it. <laughs> Like, if we liked it, we'd be there. Yes, we love to we love to visit and talk about it and how great it is. Isn't it fun to reminisce? And we just though? don't want to live there. All right. You can't buy alcohol on Sunday. What kind of state is that? No, you can't. And you can visit Connecticut by going to five six three Second Street. That's <laughs> right, straight shot, right to Connecticut. They did change a couple of the blue laws, though, Pete. Um, now I think they can sell beer till nine. And if the liquor store wants to, they can stay open on Sunday. Wow. But they don't want to. None of them want to. So they've just stuck with the, uh, now nah, forget it. So, yeah. So their business model's kind of whacked. Yeah, damn blue laws. It's crazy. Well, they need a what would Pete do mantra. And we'd open. <laughs> All right, we're going to be wrapping things up here. 888-401-BEER is the phone number if you have any final questions. Or you can join Stephanie in the chat room. Uh, she'll send the questions uh, also. Um, I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this off the top of your head, Pete. This came from the chat room. You had mentioned the caramel malt that's in your wicket. They want to know what lava bond it was because there's a couple different caramels. The answer is 60. 60. 60 degrees lava bond. There you go. 60L caramel. Look Come on. Bring them on. He's ready to go. <laughs> I like that. The answer is right. 60. It looks like we'll be playing Stump the Brewer a little yeah. bit later because Pete uh, knows it. You don't think he has an, a- an unfair edge about his own beers, though? They want to know if at, and I, again, don't know if you know, at Gambrinus, now that they have Pete's, is Wicked Ale under a new recipe, or do you think they're carrying your recipe? Oh, it's definitely a brand new recipe. Really? They've oh, done yeah. a whole new thing. Now, why do you think that is? Did they just feel like they could make a better a better thing, or or, or just, is that what happens when, when people, you know, you just got to do things new when you buy a company? You got to ask them. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, people want to know how you first got into contract brewing. It sounds like it was a budget thing when we were talking about well, it Well, it, it wasn't a budget thing. It was a strategy thing. Okay. And the strategy was given limited resources. Like, we didn't have $1.7 million like like Sean had in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was $10 million earlier. Whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll go What's with the What's the difference? Um, 
you have to ask yourself, how important is building your own brewery? Okay. And we had two answers to that. One, we thought we could get better quality from a uh, a partner brewer. Mm-hmm. And number two, if if our ego told us that this brand had potential and it grew, yeah. that whatever we built, whatever it might cost, half a million, million dollars to get it going, would be obsolete in a couple of years. So from a cash perspective, why why bother spending any money on it? Yeah. Now, how about as the company grew, you know, over the course of the years, did you guys ever think maybe we ought to have our own place or? The answer is no, no. No, no, and no. Because it worked, right? Yeah. What you were doing yeah. was working. You know what's interesting is that this argument, or this discussion actually, is really kind of a an American phenomenon. Yeah. You go to Belgium and you talk to brewers over there. Like I got a great tour uh, from this guy who was starting his own brewery, uh, gave me a tour of uh, Cantillon in, in, in Brussels, and, and he's trying to develop his own... Uh, Beer and all that, and he's brewing it at another brewery in Belgium. And you and you talk to the people at Earthel Brewery, uh, and they're and they're brewing it somewhere else. So, it's it's kind of this thing that it, it, if you don't own your kettles, then you're not worth your salt. And I and I I take issue with that. I think that you uh, if you if you have the quality product and all that, what is what's what's wrong? What's the big deal? Germany has that problem too. That they're they're. Uh the market for beer is going south in Germany, and you have all these small local family breweries. And I got, actually got asked to speak in Munich at a at a worldwide beer convention to talk about contract brewing. Uh, the Germans just believe because their families owned it for six generations, they have to maintain the brewery when it makes no economic sense. Yeah, these are hard times, and uh, and, and building uh, and putting tanks in place and running a staff and all that is it's 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 expensive. So, so and I'm not I'm not I'm not taking anything away from it. I mean, of course not. You know, you, you've got breweries out there that are doing a great job that, that you know own the whole thing. But I also think that um, it's uh, there's another it's way to a do it. Testosterone thing almost. If yeah. it's like yeah, you got to have your own. It's like the big dig con- big big, yeah. big contest. Like how big is your kettle? I drive a Hummer. Yeah. Oh wait, sorry. <laughs> I'll have you know that Pete, uh, possibly, uh, not possibly, I'm just saying that to be nice to like Sean, uh, the most successful person in the room, <laughs> drives a hybrid, drives a little Honda hybrid. You know, I wondered who who that was in the uh, in the driveway. He I thought my, no one that works little, on the show little, is responsible. My little putt-putt. He's got nothing to compensate for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He just gets in his hybrid and he feels comfortable with himself. Well, I have a big truck and I'm Irish, so go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones. We got Bub on the line. Oh, Lord. Get, the the timer. Bub, get the Bub timer ready. Uh, what's happening, Bub? Oh, hey, I just wanted to give props that we have uh, some estrogen in the room other than the man estrogen that's normally there. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I with agree. Stephanie. I mean, uh, she obviously has no taste being with Sully, but given that, <laughs> uh, she is a welcome addition to the show. Uh, I, I will bypass the Bub timer Aww. just this once because I think you're right. And how's she doing in the chat room? She's doing spectacularly. All right. Good work. Good, good. Dad. She's taken, Bub, and so are you. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, uh, hey, Just no, leave it. And, uh, I, I told her that when she was flirting with me, and that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> you tramp. Bub, when you're here, I'm going to tape you to the couch and put things on you. <laughs> yeah. And they won't be oh, inanimate objects. Bubba, you're going to let me put... Uh, Howler Tau hops in your IPA, like an <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I was drunk and uh, vulnerable. But you're you're uh, coming out for the anniversary show again, right? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, he is. You can't you can't swing it. 
Dude, dude, don't be such a, a pussy. Like two-month-old right now. So All right. Well, maybe months. someone should have thought of that before they decided to have intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you have like a two-week-old last time, or like no, not even born? He traded up. Oh. Yeah, I right. had a one-year-old. So right. yeah, now I got I'll have like a two-and-a-half-year-old. You I'm, can make it. But when your vagine drops, see. just let us know. Yeah. Sell them. Sell them and get okay, started so, new. Hey, Sully, were you sponsoring me? Were you gonna pay? Uh, that's what Pete asked him. What's the right answer? Sean's paying for me to go to Austin for yeah, the Brewers in a couple of weeks. Oh, I heard that. I hey, heard that was the deal. We're all going to go. <laughs> I love the man that sold his company for $70 million, like is looking for me to pay for it. To, it. to fly him out to Austin. <laughs> hey, that makes good business since you know, was, it really uh, does, JP. Was that the final deal? <laughs> did they pay you $70 million for Pete's Wicked? Yes, they did. Wow. Any re- any residuals? But, but any it wasn't it wasn't to me. We had a, oh, t- come we on. had fifty investors. So uh. <laughs> yeah, fifty I, investors. I, no I kidding. Love you, Pete. <laughs> yeah, it's Bob. I'm speechless. I don't even want to speak. It, Pete, do you get any like uh, royalties or something off the name, or is it just was it uh, Gee, just a clean anything on clean, the back end? Clean slate. Yeah. That's it. Dude, fair enough. Yeah. Adios. <laughs> I, you know what though? Wow! I love that you're asking him to fly you out to Austin. Still, yeah. I think that's brilliant. I do the same thing. Well, you just missed it because Bub said, "Pete, I love you." Like, and he was some sort of masturbatory fantasy right now. He's sitting <laughs> yeah. like in a dark room somewhere. You mean yeah. Like, if he was. <laughs> Me and Bub, we we can't even find seventy million in in Monopoly money. <laughs> We've bought several board games and we still haven't added up that. I uh, love you, Pete. I, I even use the Xerox at work and I can't get that. <laughs> no, uh, it's new money. It's black. And white money. Take it. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Out. <laughs> Props to Stephanie. That's always nice to hear, right? Oh, it is right. good, too. I don't know, uh, Sully and Steph, if you guys listened to last week, though, but I was getting fed up with all the dudes in the room. It was ugly. I man. heard that. I listened to that show. It got bad. Yeah. I yeah, just was like, come on, give me a break. Get me out of here. Need some female presence. Well, do any women listen to your show? Yeah, a couple. Ooh, in fact, uh, no, I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just no. You're right. No, in the beer industry in general, it's you're absolutely right. Men. It's it's 99.9 percent. So same with our listenership. It's about there. We do have some women listeners. I get emails sometimes. A lot of guys who it's the guys who write in. Occasionally, I get females that give feedback. But some guys go, "Hey, me and my wife listen to the show. We love oh. the show. You guys have helped kind of uh, get her into beer, things like that." So, so Pete's like cool. in a different league because we show up at at uh, schooners and the. the Female serving staff is all over him like white on He's rice. He's a poon magnet. <laughs> he really was. You need to go to homebrew conventions, Pete, because uh, I tell you what, that's a desolate, desolate place for a single man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so if, if your wife is concerned about you going to events, go to a homebrew event. Well, You'll yeah. be fine. I, I spoke at the National Homebrewers Conference years ago, and I, I presented our beer education chart. And i got to tell you, it took homebrewers to give us a creative spark for doing a beer T-shirt with our education chart. Yeah. And the guys in the front of the... Uh, the audience said, you should create a T-shirt with the beer chart upside down on it. And I thought to myself, that's kind of twisted. Why, why put it upside down? But then I thought about it, and I thought two things. Number one, <laughs> it's so different, people would look at it and wonder what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And number two, the answer is, if it's upside down, you can pull the shirt out and read the chart by looking <laughs> down on it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, then speaking of, of women listeners, I do need to announce, uh, and I don't know how I feel about this, but Mrs. H is pregnant. Again. What? Again. And I guess I want to say congratulations, but don't the two of them have like 13 kids? Someone right now? called her a, uh, uh, what was it? Not like a, not a baby factory, but something Breeding a lot more funny. 
Yeah, she, but like they, those two must be like rabbits, How Mr. and Mrs. Inc. Four. I think they have four now, but she's like younger than anybody in this room. How old is she? I mean, she's like eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's, she's from eight. the Midwest, wow. and you know, they get, uh, you look at them wrong. And yeah, they pregnant. start early there. Mm. It was no, fun. I think she's like 26 or 27. Is that? I think she's now pregnant with her. Uh, Mr. H. Fifth. Uh, condoms. Look it up. Yeah, put that thing away, dude. I mean, it, those guys... It was funny because... Uh, congratulations, inst- though. Instantly, the chat knew that she goes, so, I have an announcement, and then instantly people, you're pregnant. What, are you pregnant? <laughs> you're pregnant again. I know you're pregnant again. You're probably pregnant again, huh? How old's her youngest? Yeah. Uh, a week, I think. Nine. <laughs> She's eight, and her youngest is nine. <laughs> That's how these well, people it, work. Where are they from? Kansas? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Mr. H, by the way, is the guy who's getting the, the brewing network. The chat room is going he's, a little crazy with that He's getting a tattoo. Of the Brewing Does Network logo. No, I think he's working on it. Though. Oh, come on. The guy was busy. Or you know, forget flying Pete out to Austin for the Craft Brewers oh, Cubs. I'm yeah. sending them a, a case of condoms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Pete. Uh, someone wants to know if you br- when you brewed. Uh, this is a Brewing Network thing. Uh, do you brew with pants on? Okay. I brew with boxers. There you go. <laughs> no pants, Pete. That a boy. That that's our boy Pete. Good. Yeah. Pick. Okay. Couple of questions about the chocolates. I know you're not involved with the company there anymore either, but uh, people want to know uh, where they can get them and can they get them online or anything like that. They want to try your chocolates. You have. To, I'm not sure where where they're available. I could tell now, you where they were. We still sell them actually at five six three Second Street <laughs> at Twenty First Amendment. I didn't see the. the display. Are you selling really? them there? Really? Yeah. No kidding. We did two chocolate dinners with Twenty First Amendment where their chef. Used our chocolate in every course, and then was paired with a beer. And these were probably the best dinners we've ever been to. It was awesome. We in- sold out the whole place, in- including a chocolate salad. Can you imagine a chocolate salad? Mm. Their chef created a mix of greens with shaved dark chocolate, shaved Reggiano Parmesan, fennel, roasted nuts, and a and a vinaigrette. Oh, the yeah. combination was spectacular. Wow. That sounds great. It's too bad they didn't have any good decent beer there. To uh, oh god. Can I just say Pete? Can I just say Pete just said nuts? Go ahead. I'll I'll allow it one time. Pete just said nuts. Thank you. We have Mrs. Henning on the line. I still have a couple questions in front of me for you, Pete, about uh, your beer too. So I'm going to get to that. Mrs. Henning, uh, congratulations! And what the hell? (laughs) There's no um, congratulations necessary. How old are you? I'm 24. Uh, 24 even. How many? And how many is this now? Um, I'm not even pregnant. It was just an April Fool's joke. Oh. <laughs> hey, good job. Our yeah. only, our first April Fool's of the day. Yeah, I got everybody. It was pretty good. You did, but you know what's sad is that we all believed it because you have four already <laughs> and we're thinking like this isn't a stretch. You know what I mean? Yep. No but pun that, intended. That was a good joke. All right. Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> Thank okay. you. So note to file, Mr. H, tattoo. Vasectomy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to curb the baby output. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, four is enough, right? That is true. Are you guys thinking about more later? Oh, no. All right. No more kittens either. <laughs> no. Yeah. This no. from a lady who just sounds overworked no in cats the baby and department. No babies. You know? She's like, no, no, no. I'll kill him if he ever does it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good one. You got us, Mrs. H. Nice yep. work. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bag and lake him. That a girl. That's fun. She's, what? Someone had to get us on April Fool's. Right? I was, yeah, okay. We believed it. That's what the funny one. thing yeah. is. We believed it. Yeah. By the way, all this time, um, 
It's been my roommate Chad who's been speaking as Pete. Pete's not even here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> April Fools. Yeah, April Fools. Everybody, we just thought it'd be a good. One. It's a uh, Connecticut connection. <laughs> and we've had pants on this whole time. People want to know, and you could answer this both for your homebrew and for the Pete's Wicked. People want to know what kind of yeast you used. Is that a proprietary secret? It's not yours anymore, is it? So you don't care. Well, the uh, as I mentioned, we use brewing partners. Yeah. So whatever they had, in <laughs> whatever their house, their house yeast was, yeah. we had a, we had to work with. So that's uh, right. We talked about it changing. So it changed each time. What did you start with? What was your original? Do you remember? Well, it was Palo Alto Brewing Company and Mountain Views yeast. I don't whatever they had. Whatever they had. How about your home brewed version? What would you use then? <sighs> Back in the day, was it whatever uh, one the people had? It, there weren't a lot of choices back then. Yeah, back in the day, you had to take it. Probably, yeah, probably beer, uh, bread yeast. Or I don't remember. <laughs> you threw some sourdough in there. Yeah. And uh, for homebrew, you got a favorite style that you used to like to brew? I don't know if I ever brewed the same style twice. No, I, I always experimented. It. You know, the fun thing about brewing is why do the same thing over and over again? Yeah, you know, do twists and variations. Agreed. Okay, and I think the last thing of the day is uh, people want to know what's in your future because you, you've you had a lot to do with uh, different I've things. I've been so inspired by this radio show, I think I'm going to get into broadcasting. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> because I have a sponsorship program. Yeah. I know a beer and can company that... Needs uh, <laughs> needs to do some promotions. Yeah, they need to start yeah, selling it outside of the brewery. First, they need to do, especially because that stuff's going out all over the country. You got to talk to those fans. You know, I, I got a six pack of it, and every one I opened up, it, it splashed all over. It was I don't know who who loaded the yeast and the uh, and the beer, but it was it was foaming all over. What are you getting at? His name is Jesse. You gotta. Well, you've done a couple of pretty big companies. Are, are you yeah. looking to open or an, another? Or are you gonna just retire? What do you think? I rode my bicycle twenty five miles this morning before coming here, and that's a lot of fun too. Yeah. So you just you don't have any ideas though. Something else on the horizon? Come on. You got something. I want to help people in need like Sean on his beer <laughs> uh, project. I. It's you know. Well, you're doing that already, but what else? Helping others. Helping others. Okay. Helping others. It's like a venture capital kind of thing? Consultant? Consult. Well, not yeah. even consulting, just helping. I'm not charging. Yeah. A free beer every once in a while is okay. No, it was great. Uh, Nico and I had uh, dinner with uh, with Amy and Pete, uh, his wife, at the 2-1-A a couple nights ago. And, uh, at 5 minutes. <laughs> and it, 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 he just uh, asked questions and... And throws things out, and it's like you just sit there as a sponge and absorb everything. So even during the show, I've been just like, yeah, listening the whole time. So. I agree. You did the same today as we're meeting uh, people at the breweries that we went to. Uh, you know, you're like, hey, tell me about your mistakes. Tell me what you do different. And I'm just listening. I have great questions to ask. And you know, from a guy's really, I wouldn't say there are great questions though. You, th- you like the answers better? I or? think my answers were much better than the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You ever go out and buy yourself a six pack of Pete's Wicked now? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, what I can say about the reformulation is I got some test batches of it from uh, Texas, and uh, my comment was, "Boy, this tastes exactly like Newcastle Brown." Oh yeah, and uh, Interesting. I, that got verified. So I'm not a fan of Newcastle Brown. Okay, that's fair enough. I haven't had Pete's Wicked in years. I haven't had it since uh, I got drunk on the strawberry, and uh, I, it was one of those things like like with tequila, like you have a bad night on it and you don't go back. Yeah, I never went back. 
but I grew up on it. Like, that was the thing. Like, if you wanted something tasty, especially on the East Coast, we were talking about how we thought you were an East Coast company for, for so long because it was so popular back there. Plus the word wicked. That's a, that's wicked that's good. That's a Bastin thing. Dude. And, um, uh, well, yeah. tell you what, what, uh, what year did you have this horrible, uh, experience on it? Uh, I would say, you know what? It was the year you sold the company. Well, then right there you around, go. It was right around 97, and that's the last time I've had Pete. Then actually. it doesn't matter. So <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Good I timing. Have, I have inadvertently been aligned with Pete the whole time. Yeah, it's <laughs> wicked good timing. Yeah, it was wicked good timing, as a matter of fact. The good news, though, is what I love in all the travels is you can go anywhere in the United States now and find a decent beer. That's mm. so good. Yeah. And that's different. Now, that's the other thing. I guess the one question, you know, I didn't ask is it, you kind of explained that you guys got into it because uh, there were people trying to buy craft beer, um, but they couldn't find it very much. But it still was at a risky time. I mean, it was not a big business, and you guys jumped in right at the front there. How did you guys kind of evaluate that risk compared to the potential? You know, how did you feel like, okay, we don't have much, and we're going to take a stab at it, and this is it? I want to know because that was really early in the game. Well, you know, part of the equation is what was available. You had Bud Miller Coors. Yeah. You had regionals like Schlitz or Stroh's. Yeah. You had imports. Uh, then you had a couple of micros. And if people wanted full flavor, even the imports weren't really delivering. Yeah, you could get Guinness. But most of the imports that were generally available weren't the full-flavored ones. You know, oh. German lagers are not – they're great for what they are, but sure. they're not all the, all the flavors. So we had confidence that – as people got exposed to these full-flavored beers, because we saw it with bread. And using bread as an example, specialty bread bakers all around the country were opening. And and we also, <laughs> we call it the uh, beer latitudes. And same for bread, too. Basically, if you draw a line from D.C. to San Diego, yeah, anything above that line, you could sell decent bread or decent beer. And anything below would be more risky because it's, really? it's too hot. Okay, and People don't go for the full flavors in the hot temperatures. Does that go today? Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah. All right. That's an interesting line. That is yeah. really interesting, actually. Yeah. I was in Indiana where uh, I bought that canning machine. No, you weren't. Uh, uh, automated line, and it's 0.5% of all the beer consumed in that state is uh, craft beer, which is like lowest amongst all the states in the country. Yeah. And uh, I think that might be below the line. Yeah, so. that's a great, uh, wow. at least a general theory to decide where your yeah. beer is going to do well. Is that the Mason-Dixon line? Is that the same line? <laughs> I wonder. What are you trying to say about full flavor and color? I'm just saying, uh, yeah. I'm just wondering if it's the same line. All right. <laughs> well, I have a, a question that might be too big to get into now, but uh, uh, how, how do you get your 50 investors? You know what I mean? Like, How, how, does, a, how does a growing company seek out people that are like-minded, especially in, a, in, a, in a, an industry that's really not, I think... There's a there's a saying yeah. in, in fundraising that uh, it's called the F round, the F round, letter F, and what does F represent? Family, friends, and fools. Uh. <laughs> and that's who you go to. That's wow. all you can go to. <clears throat> I don't know yeah. why Sully hasn't said yes yet because he's in. He's got two of those Fs yeah. for me. Yeah. Which ones are those? Your friend and a uh, fa- fam. You're, well, you're not family. <laughs> so the other no, F it's must ra- be raising money is hard, and that's why yeah. our model to to raise to kind of prove the concept with fifteen grand didn't take a lot of people to to get in. Hmm. And I mentioned didn't explain it, but we we ran out of money five times. Over five years. What'd you do then? Well, we went back to the well and asked family and friends and you fools did. and yeah. said, look, 
this is what we accomplished with the first fifteen grand. This is what we accomplished with the next fifty grand. Yeah. Now we need four hundred grand. <laughs> but you build a track record that you, you say this is what you're going to do, and you do it. Yeah. And it's a little bit easier doing it that way than trying to raise a couple million with just being an unknown quantity. Yeah, absolutely. Did you put any of your own money in? I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Did you kind of, because you had a good job, you didn't, you mentioned that you didn't want to leave your job. No. And this is kind of what the thread is in our forum right now, too. You didn't want to leave your job. Did you really kind of lay it all on the line that if it didn't work out, you were going to be in trouble? Uh, other than investing some money, I kept my day job, and it wasn't until we started in 86. In 1990, I quit to go full-time. Okay. So the company wasn't at the zero stage yeah uh, we weren't big by far in 1990 but yeah i put a little on the line in 1990 but we had three years under our belt sure it looked like you were going to be all right well we didn't know but uh i was actually going to get transferred to europe with ibm and my wife wanted to go and i told her there's an opportunity for me to go full-time if i don't do it i'll regret it whether we make it or not if i don't try it i'll regret it so yeah she said, give it a shot. So kind of in keeping with the thread on the form right now, uh, you worked at IBM, you left, and then you've gone on and done you know something else. If you look back, do you wish you were still at IBM? Hell fucking no. <laughs> <laughs> what would Pete day. do? I want to make a T-shirt that just says that. <laughs> yeah. Three words. Plain as yeah. day. So all you guys out there that want to open up your own place... What would Pete do? Yeah. Quit. Quit. Get out of there. Now, but it's not just that. I'll tell you what else Pete would do is that everything he talked about in the beginning, which was, was line it up, stack yeah. the deck, yep. talk yep. about, yeah. uh, don't, because we get that. In fact, a lot of times people will, you know, uh, I told you about a friend of mine earlier and I've seen threads in the forum where they go, Hey, I have this opportunity. A guy's in trouble. He wants me to pick up his, his brewery or, uh, uh, I've got a partner. He's got some money. He wants wants me to be the brewer and I've been home brewing for a year and a half and they're not thinking a lot about it they're just thinking about the opportunity because sometimes opportunities come up yeah it's not the product it's the brand yeah the brand has mm-hmm. to have potential and the product it's important you have to have a product that delivers but people buy into the brand not not the not the product yeah absolutely all right, uh, I got a call for drunk of the week, and then we're going to get out of here. We already so, got drunk of the week. Uh, I know, but he wants to. I got to talk to him. Oh no, yeah, that's the true. guy put in the effort. I can't just leave. Him. He dialed. I can't leave him drinking alone, can no. I? No, you're right. I'm, I apologize. I'm stupid. <laughs> Andrew from Santa Cruz, what's happening, brother? Hey, hey, hey. What do you got? Hey, you going for drunk it's of the week? It's very important huh? that Mr. Henning gets. Gets his tattoo. I know. He told me he isn't backing out on the tattoo. He just says he hasn't had time to meet up with the tattoo guy. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like he, it sounds like he might be uh, shifting around the, the you think, subject there. You think he's pussing out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I want to see a Brewing Network tattoo on somebody. When, when did he? Uh, when did he say he was going to do that? It was during our Linda Stark fundraiser, uh-huh. and uh, he said, "If we come up with X amount, I'll get a Brewing Network tattoo." And uh, lo and behold, we came up with a, a lot more than that, and he said he'll get the tattoo. So he hasn't gotten it yet. No, he hasn't. But uh, yeah, I, maybe you ought to call in Henning and tell us what the deal is. I knew. Yeah, I think I should. I left him alone because I knew he hadn't gotten it yet, and I figured yeah. I'm going to give him a break. I, but I knew one of these days a listener was going to bring it up. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get it soon, or else you know he'll be a shame at the at the uh, second anniversary. That's true. What's that, Stephanie? Mrs. Henning just sent me a message, and she said that he finally decided that he's going to put it on his back across his shoulders. It took him a really long time to Acro- decide. Like across both shoulders, he's going to get a huge one. He just 
put it on the back across the shoulders. That's all. It's like a says. memento tattoo. It's like no, an $800 tattoo. And it's huge. Yeah, you have four kids. Come on. What is it going to be? Uh, <laughs> it's a, he was going for the logo. But it was supposed to be on, on his arm under his shirt line. He didn't like that, though. She just, she just oh, said well. that to me. Tell da You know what, though? I'm thinking right now, for his sake, I got some kick-ass new logos that are going to come out. And I'm not changing the Brewing Network logo, so it's not that. But this new theme we're doing is going to be... You, you guys are going to love it. I'm going to be doing a bunch of shirts with it. And he might want to get that tattooed instead. Is it the Sean O'Sullivan fan club? It's not. It's oh, pretty cool, though. It has not? to do with the BN Army, why and it not? kicks ass. So maybe he ought to wait a little while longer. I don't want him to get a tattoo when he could think. No, I but see, then one. he'd be old school. That's he'd true. keep it real. He would be right? old school. Because didn't he want the old logo? Isn't I, just, that what it is? I just asked her what is it going to be. And it's going to be across both shoulders, and it's going to be huge. Holy shit. That's oh. awesome. Uh, Stephanie, that's like the watermelon wheat tattoo you have on your back. Oh, that's right. The giant watermelon with the wheat strands coming it's a, off it's of it. a giant can. <laughs> it's a big can. No, no, no. It's just a giant watermelon with wheat strands coming well, off of well, it. Well, now that you've got that, you could get a, you should get a can on your can. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, I'm no, Jewish, no. though. We're not supposed to have too many tattoos. Yeah, too, too many? Too many, yeah. yeah. Especially under cans. All right, so what do you want? Drunk of the Week, too, Andrew? I can't yeah, get it. No, please. I can't. The guy's like he had like yeah. a dead... His dog was his dying. His dog was dying. I can't take it away from him. You're the runner-up. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. If the Drunk of the Week is unable to fill his duties... I'll give you Drinker of the Week. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Buzzed guy of the week. Cheers. Does the new logo have Rat Pad in it? Oh. No. No. Geist, I'm sorry. That had to have been you. What that do you mean? was Geist. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. No He's a good pad. man. No Rat Pad. All right, everybody. we got to get out of here. I'm making it's one. It's been a, a fun time, and I want to thank <laughs> Pete. I'm glad you made it out to the studio. Seriously, that was good. It was I, a fun time. Great show. No. I think it took three plane transfers to yeah. get here, but I was happy to come. And a jumper plane. Uh, JP's going to give you gas money to get home. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I will. Don't forget your passport. <laughs> <laughs> the great Pete Slossberg, and uh, if you want to know what's up with him in the future, well, you're just going to have to wait, because I think he doesn't know either. Yeah. Enjoying his time. Uh, uh, exercising and doing more than me and Sean do combined, which really doesn't take too much. Well, certainly in the exercise department. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what a great show. I'm really happy to have you. Thanks a lot for coming out yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. I, I here, here, here. To Can he come back? Network. All right, so we're going to have, yeah, we'll invite you back for sure. And uh, we're going to go eat some some pizza, some listener pizza and some tri-tip. And we got some beer left over. Stephanie, I want to thank you for hanging out in the uh, chat room there. Thanks. I had a really good time. It sounds like you did a good yeah. job. You'll have to come back, too. I Well, I was just telling them I hope you invite me back. I, you're officially invited back. <laughs> You just let me know, and uh, we'll we'll do that. Because I don't have an official chat person yet. So, That's true. Uh, not that you haven't been doing a great job, JP. I'm sure well, they liked you, know. you just as well. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> don't kill yourself. I'm trying not to. <laughs> All Remember, right, it's, uh, it's up and down the street, not across. Right? <laughs> uh, no, no, I gotta go. We're. I don't want to take another call. We're out of here. Uh, next week, don't forget, is the competition show part two. And if you want to send your beer in for that, you can email me, justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Of course, you can send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And we're going to be judging everybody's beers next week and really kind of giving you an example of what happens at the table 
behind that, the scenes. That's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a good, thing. and we're going to have I think three BJCP certified judges, maybe more, in here judging your beer. So it's going to be a, a really it's good. It's like time. a legit competition. That's usually what they have on a flight. It's kind of a competition. Two or three, yeah. yeah. So that's good. So that's next week. Uh, the week after that, I think we're having schooners in here. We do. Really? I spoke to them today, and I think they're going to come down and do it. That's a GABF award-winning brewery out here. So we're going to be talking to them. Their their brewer mm-hmm. uh, helped map the human genome. This is not a joke. Did I hear that? We or will talk about that on I the show that. in two weeks. You're going to want to tune in. Shirts and podcasts are available through our store. Just click the store button on our website. I'm going to have new ones coming up soon. If you haven't bought Brew Your Own magazine yet, you can order it through our website, and it's a great way to support us. So check it out. Brew Your Own magazine. Just click the big banner right there on the home page. And finally, click those ads on our website that rhyme with frugal. It's free. It doesn't it doesn't spam you or anything else and it helps us out a lot. I'm not allowed to say exactly what they are. Don't be a poodle. But they rhyme with frugal everybody. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You've all been great today and very uh very nice to everybody. It was yeah. a very very nice bunch this of callers a, this today. It's a really fun show. Thank God we got Sean here. Yeah, I got to tell <laughs> yeah. you I'm, uh, he, he rounded out all w- the niceness. It was small shoes to fill here with uh Doc. <laughs> In Doc, yeah. I appreciate he's like 2 inches tall. You did a great <laughs> job, Sully, and I enjoyed Thank looking you. over there and seeing your red head. Right, big red Bright head <laughs> in place of Doc's red head. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. <laughs>